Hello everyone, and welcome back to The Other Castle. The Other Castle! I'm Andrea, one of the hosts of The Other Castle. And my name is Tom. What do you do? I am the other host of The Other Castle. That's two hosts in one castle. Let's go, baby. All right. This podcast is a video game podcast about the plot lore and more behind your favorite or your next favorite video game. Yes, it is. And oh, we have got such a great game today. I'm so excited for this one. Oh my gosh. Bitch, me too. <laughs> this week we are doing one of my favorite and one of the first games I ever got really into, The Wolf Among Us. Now I know I did say Pokemon was the first game I played, and that is very valid. Yeah. I, that was in the 90s, Game Boy Color. And then there was a very long drought where I did not play video games because who had the money or time for that? Fair. Not I. <laughs> As you can tell, Tom did. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> um, But... Well, we were living together in, I think, 2013 or so. Yeah, right around then. Yeah. You and I were working different schedules entirely. So I was working during the days and you were working during the nights. And I was bored at home and I was on my iPad. And I don't know how this happened, but I ended up downloading the first episode of The Wolf Among Us for free. Yeah. And you came home and I was under the covers playing this game on my iPad going, is this what video games are now? <laughs> what the fuck? And uh. I remember seeing you playing it and being like, no, like iPad games are, are like Angry Birds. Yeah. <laughs> You're and supposed to flick things or cut a fruit. Yeah. Shit like that. And so when you showed me this and I played through that first episode kind of immediately after you did, I, I was completely blown away, one, at what tablet gaming had become. Yeah, entirely. Um, this game is fucking wild. Like I said, it's one of the first for you games that got me in back into gaming, I suppose, since I was yeah. into it with Pokemon and fell the fuck in love with it. I'm so excited. I mean, potentially Ugh. no wolf among us, no the other castle. Truly. <laughs> like, yeah. It would have taken a lot for me to... I couldn't just jump into Red Dead. No. <laughs> By the way, if you survive the Red Dead episode with us... <laughs> Come say hi, because holy shit, what's the final uh, time on that one? That was uh, four hours and 50 minutes. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I've listened to audiobooks shorter than that, like whole ass books. You could do that on a cross-country flight. You really could, yeah. If and you guys are listening to us while you're traveling, <laughs> thanks. And Absolutely, uh, and you're welcome for keeping you entertained. Yeah, entirely. <laughs> uh, before we get into the episode, though, do we have any housekeeping, anything you want to call out? I mean, if you are joining us from having met us at AmazingCon, welcome to the show. Thank Hello. you so much. Yeah, high fives. Other than that, no, there's no real housekeeping. We just have the show to do now. All right. Yeah, oh, cool. You know, just if you also are catching up from earlier in the season, we're talking salads, we're talking cons. <laughs> I just feel like there's a laundry list of things in my head. It's really cool getting to see people in person. That was. You know, after a long Rona, after a, right. a lot of being behind the mic and kind of doing this in our house, it's it's been really cool to be a part of the community, and we are so grateful for everyone that came up and talked to us. Truly, um, truly. You know, podcasting is so interesting because it's so isolated. It's not like being a musician where you're in front of people or a performer where you're in front of people. We're performing, but we're performing alone. Right. Working on it, putting it out there, and not doing a lot of interacting, so... Getting to actually talk to people is really cool. Yeah, and we are so grateful. If there are other events near you guys that you'd want us to swing through, let us know. Uh, we don't have the budget for a Comic-Con or no. a WonderCon just yet, but, you know, it could be something cool to aspire to. Someday. 
Someday. With some a, glorious day. With enough of you listeners, it's a possibility. Do we sound like PBS? Like <laughs> Thanks to viewers like you. Listeners like you. Yeah. They're not even viewing us. They're just fucking hanging out no. with a podcast. But hey, man, that's cool. Maybe we'll get tote bags someday. We'll figure it out. And like even post-recording there's a lot of like alone time that goes into this too like the editing and the uploading and all that stuff like yeah you like you were saying before like very very isolating so getting to interact is just absolutely wonderful yeah and big ups to tom he edits these entirely i do not understand how to do that editing part i've been doing all the graphics and the flat stuff but he does the actual audio production so everyone Big hands off to Tom. Hands off. Am I Rayman? What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you get it. Yeah. I can make a Rayman joke. My wife said to keep your hands off me. That's not that terrible. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm feeling silly because this is kind of a dark game. <laughs> it is a dark, dark game. But like, yeah, you tell people it's about fairy tale characters. <laughs> That's. It doesn't feel right to say that. No. <laughs> and Knives Out is about a family reunion. <laughs> the Fair. fuck? And Star Wars is just a Jerry Springer episode of You're the Father. It's a family drama. You're secretly twins. Anyway, all right. So The Wolf Among Us launched in October of 2013. So I played the first episode pretty quickly after it came out. Okay. And this came out worldwide across PlayStation 3, PC, iOS, like me playing on my iPad, Mm -hmm. and Xbox 360. Now... This comes from Telltale Studios, and this was the 22nd game from Telltale, which has gone under, if that sounds familiar, and are now resurrected as new Telltale games. True, true. In fact, there is a lost episode of The Other Castle. Oh, my God. Where we got way too high and emotional and just (laughs) talked about the downfall of Telltale Studios, and uh, there's a reason that episode never aired. It's awful. Guys, we were violently high. Yeah, and also, (laughs) it was just a depressing episode, because we were talking about people losing their jobs, and how awful it was, and just how sad we were that we weren't ever going to see The Wolf Among Us 2, but now we are. (laughs) And, like, I come from a Loot Crate background, so not just that I bought Loot Crates, I was the partnership manager at Loot Crate, which means I worked with Telltale. Like I had phone calls with them. We worked with them. If you played the Batman series because you got it free in a Loot Crate, I did that, Um, which I've I've kind of hinted at that job now, but they've gone under. So like, what they going to do? I don't think we had an NDA. I was going to say, like, we have hinted at your really cool job quite a few times on the show. We have never mentioned what that really cool job was. I'm happy you're actually kind of addressing it now. Whatever. Uh, (laughs) it is what it is it was a cool job at the time i was the model for the blade runner shirt i produced a web series with kevin smith yeah which was probably kind of foreshadowing for the rest of my career as you guys know i am in cannabis now right (laughs) i I was a producer on a show called wake and bake with kevin and andy and it was kevin smith and his friend andy mcalfish who's an incredible writer who wrote white chicks he's fucking rad doing like stoner breakfast food like this job was great it was a really really cool job yeah, anyway. Um, but yeah, no, when we did the Telltale episode, I, I spilled some tea and talked about people that I knew and like the shit that was going on. And as a side note, as we're talking about the tea, as we're talking about things that I know about this game, Tom and I are actually canonical to the Telltale lore. <laughs> we really are. Now, this is something that is outside of our show, outside of Loot Crate. This is outside of everything. This is specifically... Tom and Andrea pulled this off. As fucking nerds. Okay, so 
the second time Tom and I went to San Diego Comic-Con. The Snuck first into. The second two, that's correct. I've been a guest a couple times, but we did sneak in the first few years. Same. The first year I went with Tom, which was the first time I ever attended, I was Dr. Horrible from Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. It was fucking great. It was an awesome cosplay. I used it a bunch, by the way. There are a ton of pictures of me in that floating around, and Tom was jealous. Yeah. Because he was like, I guess I'll be your evil moisture buddy. <laughs> and he just looked wet. I so- did. <laughs> so the next year we thought thought it through and really loved the Wolf Among Us. So I was like, let's go as Bigby and Snow, who mm-hmm. we're gonna get into. So we created our costumes, we did full makeup, like we did primer. Tom has this beautiful hair that looked like Bigby and he's got the scruff. Like as a bearded man, it can be harder to find characters that have facial hair, right? Good cosplay characters for bearded men is shockingly difficult. Unless, like, you're big and huge and can be, like, a Kratos or, like, you know, things like that. But just a normal bearded guy just looks like a normal bearded guy. Yeah, and even then, Kratos has very specific... Very specific Like, hairstyling. Like, he's bald. Sometimes you get him with the makeup and shit. So, like, even in that realm, it's difficult. So we came in as Bigby and Snow. We're taking pictures with people. People really did stop to take pictures of us. It's really cool. Fast forward, like, three years. <laughs> I am on the phone with the people at Telltale, and I'm like, by the way, like, selfishly and personally, I'm a huge fan. I love The Wolf Among Us. It's what got me into video games. Now I have video game tattoos and all this shit. You guys know I have this big-ass dumb Wario tattoo because I love Wario for some fun. It's not a dumb tattoo. It's beautifully done. Oh, yes. Yeah, but good I'm tattoo. a dumbass for having it. Um <laughs> Because who would wear that? Me. And they're like, oh, hold up. (laughs) And they casually mention that there's a picture of me and Tom in their pitch deck on the page with the cosplayers showing how powerful the fandom is of Telltale Games. Yeah, we were in the official Telltale (sighs) Games pitch deck. I I wish I had it. I I so wish I had a copy just to be like, holy shit. And you know what? I'm sure it's a collage. I've built these decks myself, like I said. As a partnership manager, we had to build really cool shit that shows off user-generated content. So I know that we are in a collage of tons of people that are just hashtag cosplay, hashtag the wolf among us, hashtag telltale, whatever, in that realm. But it's still really fucking cool. That is pretty cool that we are on official documents over at Telltale. Yeah, or we were. This was anyway, pre. Yeah. <laughs> this was when Telltale was like really swinging hard, and yeah. then prior to their bankruptcy, and you know. That liquidating and now coming back. So I don't think we're in the new one by any means. Cause again, this photo's very old now at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's like eight years old now. Ugh, but still pretty fucking cool that that happened. <laughs> yeah, no, so, it was awesome. Just to throw it out. So this game is very personal to me, is what I am getting at. Both of us. It's oh, our yeah, entirely. It's our game. I mean, it gave me a gamer wife. I will forever, forever <laughs> be grateful for that game. It's true, and now I call out Bioshots. I'm. <laughs> you know the names of creators. You know the names of studios. You know shit like people that have been gaming for a long time don't know. We are casual gaming historians now. You a mentioned that the bit. other day. Yeah. We were just hanging out, talking about like Toby Fox and these single creators <laughs> that build out games, and Tom had this moment of, oh my God, we know what we're talking about. <laughs> We've accidentally become gaming historians, and not like the gaming historian on YouTube. He's fantastic. He knows his very shit. talented. Yeah, but like we are becoming mini gaming historians by doing this show, and you know what? You guys kind of are too because you're learning everything that we are learning. So 
And that's our guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> Useless information. You guys are going to be so good in like a quiz game one of these days. It's going to be fucking ridiculous. Yeah, if you do geeks who drink, yeah. give us a shout out. <laughs> you know what it's going to be. It's going to be, how old is Dr. Gordon Freeman? And then one person's going to go, Andrea's boyfriend, 27-year-old. Dr. Dr. Gordon, Gordon Freeman. Freeman. <laughs> and somewhere, like, my eyes will sparkle. Please give me that. Mo- Feed my ego. Yeah, that's Please. what I need. Fucking yeah. <laughs> inject me with that. That's, <laughs> what a fucking nightmare. No, I love it. That's great. Anyway, The Wolf Among Us. I'm so full of joy talking about this again for all the reasons I said. And we are, I think I still do have my Snow White outfit. Oh, yeah. We still have the full costumes. Yeah, you I, you definitely have your shirt still. Hell and yeah, I do. It's just a black tie and, you know, it's not that crazy. No, but we did the cell shading on the clothing as well, the we way did. that the game has. And we did all the... I remember we did a, a test run of the makeup in our apartment late one night. Yeah. You were kept going, so how do I get this fucking eyeliner off my face? <laughs> and I was taking pictures to try and match it up, but we, we did a good job. It was pretty decent. Yeah, I think they're on the Instagram, and if not... I'll make sure they go up with this episode yeah. so you guys can check it out because I definitely have the pictures buried somewhere, but good times. Anyway, so this game ran five episodes across October of 2013 through July of 2014. So similar to how Bendy and the Ink Machine was across a bunch of different episodes a few months in between, same deal, but this came out a couple years before. And fully planned, unlike Bendy and the Ink Machine. That's true. This was fully storyboarded. Like They had a start and finish where Bendy was able to adjust based on the players and the fan response, which is yeah. really interesting. This is very straightforward. I did read that Life is Strange 2 was able to adjust based on player responses and reactions. Wait, really? I didn't think they did. So there are... Okay, I guess spoilers for a different game now. I know you walk into this show knowing there's spoilers for this episode, but in Life is Strange 2, the protagonist, I believe his name is Daniel? Yeah. He has a friend from back home. I think her name is Lila. Right. And fans loved her, and they were asking, like, where does this go? So they included scenes of him calling her and trying to contact her on the road in later episodes to kind of follow up on that thread that they were not planning on including at all. No, I remember actually feeling kind of the same way about the character and wondering, like, oh, that's such a, it's heartbreaking because it is a best friend that you're leaving behind and yeah. can literally never see or speak to again. Like, it's hard. And I can see why they would respond to that. Totally. And the writers were like, oh, shit. <laughs> if you guys are into it, let's fucking go. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. So unlike that, Telltale, again, storyboarded everything, was ready to go. So Telltale got the licensing rights to two comic book properties in 2011. Of course, the Fable series from Bill Willingham. Which Bill is, Willingham's a great name. It's such a good name. And a comic from some guy named Robert Kirkman called The Walking Dead. Oh, I've heard of that. <laughs> so because of the hype from the TV show, which had launched in 2010, so they got these rights very quickly, the Telltale team prioritized The Walking Dead, and it quickly became one of the most beloved series in the entire Telltale library still to this day. Game of the Year. Oh, yeah. It won. So, yeah, I I mean, good Lord, that that is a very beloved game. Totally. Maybe to the company's detriment. It's debatable. Yeah, entirely. (laughs) And we have.
have those. We haven't played them yet. Again, I was friends with the Telltale people, and they gave me a code, and they said, oh, do you want to play some of our older games? And I said, sure, yeah, of course. I love uh, the Batman series you've done. Their Batman series is absolutely incredible and builds on the consistent lore. I believe Troy Baker's Batman in those. Yeah. Fucking great. Really good I games. obviously gushed to death about The Wolf Among Us, and I thought they were going to give me, like, the Wallace and Gromit game or the Jurassic Park game. <laughs> They gave me a code that had the entire library. <laughs> so we do have the back catalog to get through. That's true. We got a lot of games to play. I didn't get... We both had to work during quarantine, so we did not get the couple months that everyone else had to just sit at home and play video games. We genuinely had to work because our jobs were essential. Yeah, we were too essential. Ugh. Remember, we work in weed, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Are we getting too personal? No, I think, you know, we've got so many more people listening and we've got people that have been listening for a long time at this point, you know, we got friends. Okay, it's like, I can't tell if relatable or TMI. We've met some of these people in person now, you know, it's it's cool. a different podcast. It's cool when our friends ask about it too, it's true. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the Wolf Among Us game did get a lot of learnings from and from the feedback on The Walking Dead's success and built some game mechanics from The Walking Dead's. And these mechanics do carry through nearly the whole Telltale catalog from here on out. So it's these quick time events. It's how to create stories. It's creating enticing stories from chapter to chapter as well as overarching. Really cool things. And yeah, it really became known kind of as like the Telltale formula. Yeah. And it's a great formula. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's if... a reason I'm still gushing about this shit years later. The Fables comics started in 2002 and has since wrapped up ending in 2015. So this game kind of came out towards the back half of the comic's life. The comic series was a total cult hit. It inspired a convention called Fable Town and Beyond. There's a script order from NBC for the 2006 to 2007 season, which failed, and that's okay. I was going to say, I didn't see that happen. There was a plot option from 2009 to 2010 from the ABC group, and... That didn't go well. But in 2011, ABC launched Once Upon a Time, which is basically a shitty, cheesy version of Fables with more licensed Disney characters. Yeah, that's definitely the Disneyfied version of it. Yeah, it's it's going to be a Gossip Girl or something, right? Just kind of a cheesy drama where everyone's fucking each other and jealousy. Yeah. I can't get into those. It's always just the same shit. Well, it was perfected with the OC and then like everything else happened. <laughs> Everyone, you know what? I'm going to take a moment. Watch Hacks on HBO. Watch Abbott Elementary. Watch I Think You Can Leave. Watch Black Lady Sketch Show. I'm into that shit. It's fucking great content. This is all very true. Two properties with Kinta Brunson, who is a genius, and I'm so excited to see where her career goes. Also, Barry and the Righteous Gemstones. We like HBO television. Oh, Righteous Gemstones was so fucking all right, back to this content, which I also love. <laughs> this is just me talking about shit I like, which is very fun. That's the whole point of the show. <laughs> I've, definitely I've also talked about games I don't like. That's true. Leisure Suit Larry, you did not like. <laughs> I still don't. I listen to our episodes sometimes just to go like, okay, like let's get in the zone. Let's think about the format and what works when we tell stories. I have not ever listened back to that one. <laughs> I have zero desire. I just know it's going to be me going, fuck you for 90 minutes. <laughs> no. So like I mentioned, Fables has tried a couple times to go on TV. It hasn't stuck the landing, but the property does live on because there is a Wolf Among Us series that was announced in December of 2019. A trailer came out in February of 2022, and it is currently slated for 
sometime in 2023. I mean, this is a game that we have been waiting for for a, for a little while now. And we all had lost hope because, again, the studio completely folded. Completely went under. So, like, to get the surprise announcement of a sequel to this game Ugh. was just, I couldn't believe my fucking eyes. They did something really great with it, too, because Telltale reformed, I think is a fair way to say yeah. it. And they released a video of voice actors from the original Wolf Among Us reading out comments going, release Wolf Among Us 2, you cowards, and all this shit. <laughs> and at the end of it, it goes, the Wolf Among Us will return or something to that effect of the tag. In production now. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And like I said, they did drop an actual trailer in February of 2022. And it's a beautiful trailer. We get Big V back. He's fucking shit up. He runs into fairly like a Wizard of Oz situations. We mm -hmm. get the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and a redheaded girl. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. But let's talk about this one first. Yeah. So the first game was delayed a few times to ensure they had a perfect tone to go along with it because this tone is also very specific. And they really wanted to swing hard to follow up The Walking Dead because The Walking Dead was a good crossover splash. You know, they got to ride on the cloud of the show and they couldn't miss with this one. And they didn't, honestly. This game's great. Yeah. So when it did launch eventually, the unique gameplay, the noir crime drama tone, and the gritty take on these childhood beloved characters excited reviewers and the game was really well hyped. So much so that IGN had the first episode for free as a game feature of the month, which is where I found it and started playing on my iPad. <laughs> I mean, that shit works. It worked. I, <laughs> I have no idea why I was on IGN. I have no idea how this happened, but... Uh, it got us to pay for the other four episodes. Changed my life. The game sold approximately three and a half million copies good for it hell yeah wolf among us and you know that's pretty great because it's also across a bunch of platforms so you know yeah they and did like, the right thing telltale's not an indie studio but they don't make big expensive games yeah they're like a lowercase a title yeah like, <laughs> we're not getting a triple a title we're getting like a single a yeah so the game itself follows bigby wolf who is the sheriff of fable town a section of 1986 New York that houses many fables, a collection of living characters from classic children's stories who live in the real world now. Bigby is, of course, the big bad wolf. The big bad wolf. And boy, is he bad. Boy, is he sexy. <laughs> we need to stop doing games where it's just me talking about how hot everyone is. I know. And it's rare for you to talk about how hot all the guys are. I know. <laughs> I find... 90% of women attractive and then three dudes attractive, but all three of those dudes are in video games. And they all have and a you. very similar look to them, so... You've cosplayed as Big B's, so I guess that's a compliment? You are very consistent. <laughs> I like them 27. I like them to be doctors. <laughs> if they have, like, a wrench or a <laughs> something really hot to me. Trevor Phillips from GTA Five doesn't make sense, but it works for me. <laughs> it's that chaos. It is the chaos. So, Big B... Big Bad Wolf, don't worry, he's not as bad as everyone says he is. No. That's a joke that you guys will understand later. <laughs> so the game takes place about 20 years before the events of the Fables comics. Really? 20 years? Yeah. I didn't realize it was that far before. I knew it was a prequel. I didn't know it was that far like beforehand. Yeah, which is kind of cool, right? 
Yeah, I mean, because the fables are kind of unaging. True. They're very hard to kill, Mm -hmm. and they're essentially frozen in time, semi-immortal beings. It's explained completely in the comics, but like their existence depends heavily on like humans still consuming their media. They're kind of like gods in American gods. Yeah. Where if people believe in them, they're stronger. Yeah, entirely. So there are some like forgotten fables that, you know, end up getting kicked off into the side streets and stuff yeah. like that. And those are the people that Big B has to deal with. Yeah, but everyone fucks with the big bad wolf. So oh, we're yeah. cool with him. So in terms of gameplay, if you've played a Telltale game, you know how the game functions, but each episode is like one to two hours-ish. The gameplay itself runs as quick time events and investigative exploration, and Bigby can change the outcome for both himself and the lives of other characters, because this is a choose-your-own-adventure. Very much so. I think this was like my first one that I ever played, too. I mean, same. Yeah, that really had the whole branching narratives into that many different outcomes. Yeah, and now we're doing shit like this. And uh, <laughs> what was the last one we did? The David Cage game. Jason. I'm, oh, we pulled off Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain, thank you. I don't know how I forgot that, but every time we see the name Jason, we both just start screaming it like assholes. <laughs> like lunatics. <laughs> and that's a game that came out in, what, 2010? Who gives a <laughs> shit? Calm down. Why are you yelling? Sean! <laughs> Streamers love games like this because of the branching narratives and, you know, because of the structure, no two streams are alike. So it does do very well on Twitch and other Let's Play things, which is really cool. And before we get in the actual gameplay, as a note, the soundtrack is fucking beautiful. Oh my gosh, I love the music in this game so much. So we teased it a little bit in the intro, obviously, but holy shit, just it's so atmospheric. Puts you in such a great headspace. There's something about the creeping tones that put you a little on edge, but are also very immersive. Yeah. Oh, I fucking love the music to this. Like, we were watching the trailer for the second game, and as soon as I heard, like, the iconic music Ugh. from Wolf Among Us, I, I, like, sent chills. It's hard when it's a game that's so story heavy because it's so hard to not talk about how great the story is because you overlook how great the music is. The music is fucking wonderful. And it just, well, the music's so essential because it adds so much atmosphere to an already great game. Absolutely. Ah, so good. All right. So we've been talking about the game. Let's talk about the game. Let's get into it. (laughs) Press start, bitches. Let's go. Episode one is called Faith. This is not like Dead Space. The titles, <laughs> dude, I want to put that up at the very top anytime I have chapter titles now, because I know your ass is going to sit there and go, okay, it starts with an F. See, you shouldn't, though, because that's going <laughs> to set me up for the next the next time it actually is going to be setting up something. You're not going to mention it. I'm going to be like, ah, oh, she <laughs> I, didn't bring up. I am fully invested in you forgetting by that. <laughs> okay. Honestly, my odds are pretty good. <laughs> So, as context, the Fables were kicked out of their homeland and live in New York now, as many people are. Yeah. It happens. You move on, you move up. It's an immigrant town. Yeah, absolutely. Sheriff Bigby protects them from each other and keeps the peace between the Fables. It's a tight community. Yeah. It's been hundreds of years since they've been there. It's about 1986 now. And we open on Bigby, who's responding to a call at this trash-ass apartment building. 
and he sees Mr. Toad, who's a small British frog about three feet tall in a sweater. He is so great. He is absolutely just Mr. Toad for Mr. Toad's wild ride. <laughs> Wind in the willows kind of shit. I love him. Like that's the level of depth they go into though with some of these fable characters. Like there were some where I genuinely had to be like, well, who the fuck is this? And then I had to like look into it like, oh, wow, I'd forgotten that one kind of people, you know? Yeah. And one thing about the game structure is they have a feature called the book of fables. So if you run into a character and you go, who the fuck is Nerissa? You can go to their page in the book of fables and it gives you some context, whether it's a lesser known fable or if they're related or if they're a side character to a larger story, that kind of thing. Yeah. So they do at least equip you with the tools, but... Frankly, a lot of them are very commonly known, which is pretty great. So, like I mentioned, Mr. Toad is literally a toad in a sweater. Yeah. (laughs) And because they're in New York City, (laughs) the town runs a system called Glamour. Glamour is used in a lot of things. It's brought up in True Blood. I think there's some forms in Harry Potter, other magical things. But essentially in this world, Glamour is a spell That makes you look like a human. Yeah. And fables are supposed to adhere to glamour just so they don't get caught and they don't have to deal with humans going, hey, there's a British three foot toad in a sweater downstairs. (laughs) What's going on? Like, I know this is New York, but that's weird. (laughs) Even for New York standards, it's pretty funky. (laughs) So if you do not have glamour and you're in your natural form, which, you know, like toad, is a three foot toad in a sweater. Right. You are evicted from Fable Town, and you have to go live on a place called the farm. Oh, the farm. Not, yeah, we don't see the place. farm. I've seen it in the comics. Ugh. Not a fun place. Not a fun place at all. No. So <laughs> Toad's like, hey, there's a fucking fight going on upstairs. And Bigby goes, I'm looking at a Toad <laughs> in a sweater. <laughs> And Toad's bitching because Glamour's getting really expensive. I'm sure it's getting expensive. There's also a class note about this. You know, not every fable has to be glamoured. Mr. Toad, obviously, is a a giant toad. And he needs Glamour to go on the subway and shit like that. But there are fables that don't do that. For example, like I mentioned, I was Snow White in a cosplay. Snow White just looks like a person like a woman so she doesn't need glamour so there is this class distinction of fables who don't need it and can have the extra money that they don't need to spend on glamour and there there's this really interesting dynamic about the fables that you know are trolls and have yeah. to have glamour just to go to work it's very unfair yeah there's there's a poverty strickenness about the fables that have to do more work just to be able to function in this society versus the ones who it comes naturally to them. And not to like go there too far, but I mean, that is very much a very real thing. Like there is the cost of poverty. Absolutely. It is expensive to be poor, which sucks. Absolutely. See, this episode's a little dark, so we were trying to have some fun, (laughs) but it does touch on very real political issues. Anyway, this giant toad (laughs) (laughs) called the Big Bad Wolf because the woodsman (laughs) is on a bender and the woodsman is trashing his apartment and throwing shit. Oh, that was needed. (laughs) This is my favorite game. And it's true. It was true, but just going like, this is about politics. (laughs) The toad's upset. (laughs) Called the Big Bad Wolf. I love it. 
So Bigby goes upstairs and he hears the woodsman just screaming, freaking out, and he's be eating up a woman. Mm-hmm. Now, the woodsman is a giant fucking lumberjack looking ass dude, and he threatens Bigby with the axe again, implying that he is the woodsman that indeed killed the big bad wolf when he tried to eat Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> yeah, they've uh, they've come face to face once before. Yes, so they, there's a lot of backstory between these two, and they're... They're kind of like shitty work associates. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in terms of the fables, and again, a lot of this comes more from the comics, is just in terms of how they relate to the other characters from their own stories. Yeah. Uh, a lot of like the rivalries, they've kind of gotten over by this point, but they recognize that they need to still kind of maintain that rivalry for their story. It's It's a fascinating dynamic that they have to maintain. It's like when families don't like each other. Yeah. We like talked I, about this in Red Dead, the Greys and the Braithwaites. Okay, like that. I was thinking more like if you have a cousin that you just really don't like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like the Greys and the Braithwaites. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. But you know, these are long-standing feuds that you kind of just have ingrained in you and they roll with it because that's the narrative. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. A Draco and a Harry are never going to get along. But they're sons. Their sons can get along very well. We just saw The Cursed Child. It was so good. Yeah. <laughs> Don't read the book. The book's garbage, but the play is spectacular. Uh, the woodsman is fighting a sex worker, and the sex worker goes, can I please just have my money? Fuck you. And Woody is being a dick, obviously, because he's hitting someone and being an asshole. It right. turns out the woman didn't recognize the woodsman, so he got mad and he beat her up because he's a piece of shit. Ugh, I mean, you know, we lived in L.A. We've seen celebrities and we've seen former celebrities. <laughs> and it is sad when a former celebrity is very desperately trying to be recognized. Yeah, that's a bummer. It's sad to see. I can tell you that. So Woody, the woodsman goes by Woody. So if you hear me shorthand it, it's Woody. Okay. Runs at Bigby, sends him through a window <laughs> where he lands on a car, and it happens to be Toad's car. Oh, poor Toad. How do I know this? The license plate spells T-O-A-D-A-L-Y. Totally. Totally. Oh, he has a great vanity plate on top of that. I know. Oh, that's so good. I love a good vanity plate. And when he's not in glamour, it's just the three foot toad driving a car that says totally. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's so great. But it's also really expensive. <laughs> Especially in New York. I'm sure that's a very expensive state to have vanity plate in. Oh, oh, not just the vanity plate, but the damage that Bigby just did to his poor fucking car. That's true. Bigby did just destroy his car. Yeah. Also, why does he need a car in 1986 New York? Amazing. <laughs> and you can only go within your neighborhood, really. That's a very tight-knit community. Yeah, it's kind of impressive he had a car. Truly. Woody comes up to strangle Bigsby, and as Bigby starts to pass out, the woman, the sex worker, hits him with his axe, takes the money, and is like, hey, Bigby, you good? <laughs> yeah, they can take so much damage. He doesn't die because, again, fables are very hard to kill, but it sedates yeah. him enough where he's like, uh, oh god yeah you can beat somebody to like a bloody pulp and make them stop working for a while but they'll heal up and get back up again eventually yeah and this game gets pretty violent as oh, a yeah. warning so this is not the worst <laughs> we're gonna see no 
homegirl walks away to have a cigarette because she's like, fuck this night. I'm so over it. Bigby asks who she works for, and she says, these lips are sealed. I want you all to remember that. And then asks if he likes her ribbon. She has a ribbon tied all the way around her neck. It's a nice ribbon. He says he feels like he knows her, and she says they all kind of knew each other. Right. Which, to your point, yeah. (laughs) It's a small community. They come from history. You know, it's kind of like Clone High. (laughs) But different. Yeah. She says she'll be by later and says everyone knows he lives in the smallest apartment in the woodlands. Right. And she goes, you know, you're not as bad as everyone says you are. Kisses his cheek and walks away. Title card. The Wolf Among Us. It's so good. Good music. Oh, the music's so fucking good. Yeah. And there's something about the synth in it that does speak to the 80s and this very smoky, noir New York. Ugh. Well, yeah, I didn't realize it was supposed to be 86 when I played it. Now that you say it, the music makes so much more sense. Right, because it does have that synthy vibe to yeah. it. Yeah. There's a little tainted love and Boy George in there almost, but with a, a sadness to it. It's so good. Right, and it makes you kind of sad they didn't get the Stranger Things deal in the end. <laughs> <laughs> right. They would have nailed it. Right. So Bigby gets home to his trash-ass apartment <laughs> and runs into Beauty of Beauty and the Beast fame. Ah, uh, yes, Beauty. She's running out of the apartment building, and she's late for something, and asks Bigby to not tell Beast he saw her. Because they ended up together. They did. And like I like that she's Beauty. She is not Belle. Totally. Yeah, Belle is totally a Disney thing. She's beauty. Yeah. Of course, as he's going home, Beast runs into him and asks if he's seen beauty. (laughs) And you can either rat this bitch out or be like, hey, I'm staying out of it, or just go, no, I have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) Which is kind of great. Uh, Like we mentioned, this is a branching narrative game, and you can decide how you interact with players, so you can straight up lie to people. Yeah. Bigaby's apartment, in a word... Sucks. (laughs) It's such a bachelor boy apartment and it's just covered in cigarettes and old Chinese food and trash. It's fucking gross. Yeah, I've lived there. I know. And he has this roommate named Colin. Who's Colin? He's a giant pig. I've also had a roommate that was a giant pig named Colin. (laughs) Colin was cleaner than you. Uh. Colin chain smokes. (laughs) <laughs> like, you're Colin who smoked a lot. Yep. And Colin is one of the three pigs who lost their home to the big bad wolf. He is. Poor little guy. The fun thing is that Colin and Bigby both smoke huff and puff cigarettes. Oh, that's really good. That's I know. <laughs> and I also like that Bigby is the big bad wolf across different stories. Yeah, it's the same core wolf, yeah. let's call it. There's only one big bad wolf. Any story that has a big bad wolf, it was Bigby. He's very popular. He's the Kevin Bacon of this world. Totally. And Colin finds a way to mention to Bigby how back in the day, Bigby ate a lot of people and people are afraid of him now. <laughs> and Bigby sleeps upright in a chair and is woken up by Snow White banging down his door. Ah, Snow White. I love Snow so much. Snow White is a busy business bitch who only cares about business. That is damn right. And she is the assistant to the director of operations, so she is kind of the the vice mayor? Yeah, yeah, she's like deputy mayor. 
Yeah. Vice mayor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how their politics work. Fuck it's okay. Off. So she she runs shit. She's always got a folder in her hand. She's got a messy business bun. She's always from the office of the mayor. She takes him outside to where they see the severed head of the sex worker he met that night. <sighs> just sitting on the stairs of his apartment. Just sitting there waiting. She talks about how there hasn't been a fable murder in a long time. And in the severed head is a ribbon with a ring around it that Bigby finds. Oh. I told you this would get way more gruesome. It gets, and it's going to keep getting more and more gruesome. This game is gory. Yeah. (laughs) So while you're investigating, it's noted that her head was placed there carefully and deliberately. So it wasn't like it was thrown. Right. It was very much placed and thought out to go, this needs to go here. And Snow is super concerned. Snow is like pacing and kind of looking around, hoping that no one rolls up on them while they're investigating a severed head. Well, yeah. And Snow works for Ichabod Crane. You know who Ichabod Crane is. Ichabod Crane. That comes from the Headless Horseman story, right? Yes, indeed. Okay. Who is the mayor slash director of operations. The title is director of operations, but it's essentially mayor in this structure. Right. Now... I'd like to take a moment to call out the sexual tension between Bigby and Snow. It is so palpable. It is. And it's not one of those things where you can kind of play in or out. You know, in the Batman games, as Batman, you can have tension with Catwoman or not, and you can fuck or you can decide not to. True. There's not a lot of physical contact. I'll I'll stop that right now. Bigby and Snow don't hook up. But they clearly are into each other. Yeah. And again, I think that more has to... That's because of the comics. Yeah, and spoiler for the comics, though, they do end up having seven children, which is very cute for Snow Aww. White. Seven, really? I did not get that far into the comics. Oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> I, I, I saw it in, uh, in my research. <laughs> I thought that was very cute that they have seven for the little dwarves. Yeah, it takes them a very, very long time to make anything happen. But as a result, like you said, we get so much great sexual tension between the two of them. Oh, it's so good. So Snow is assistant to Crane and Bigby works with her under his leadership. So he's kind of the boss to both of them. They both kind of work for Crane. Right. Because they're, it's a small, it's like Parks and Rec, right? Right. There's no other (laughs) cops. It's only Bigby. So like he just takes marching orders from the top. Yeah. Of what to investigate, shit like that. So Bigby goes to Crane's office and he's a piece of shit is leaving for a morning massage of all fucking things. Like, fuck Ichabod Crane. And Ichabod Crane is like, I mean, in the way he looks, is like 90 years old. And in Fable World, he's like 700 years old. Yeah. But yeah, he's like 90 years old. He's old as shit. He is like, just fall, like, he looks like he's falling apart. He's crotchety as fuck. Yeah, he's a crotchety ass, old, like, gangly man. Yeah. So Baby and Snow are going, hey, man, there's been a murder. And he goes, I have to have a massage. Get out of my way. <laughs> you two figure it out and figure out why. <laughs> like an asshole. Right. Bigby and Snow trace the ring that was found in the woman's mouth to the story of the donkey skin girl who goes by the name Faith. I'm this Donkey one is, skin girl. Yes. I'm sure this one might be a little bit more rare for people to know. So I brought some backstory. Please. From the Book of Fables. I've played the game and I've already forgotten what donkey skin girl was. Because <laughs> who the fuck is donkey skin girl? <laughs> the story goes, a king and his queen lived far away. 
the queen grew ill and told the king he could remarry someone equal to her beauty, which after a long search was their daughter, Faith. Ew. Faith had a magic cloak made of donkey skin to hide her beauty, and she used it to escape, and she found a prince who loved her. She ran away with the prince and lived happily ever after. Where the fuck does that story come from? I don't fucking know. These are all insane. (laughs) And that is a, uh, I mean, I imagine it's a real one. Yeah, that unfortunately sounds pretty authentic. So she was married to Prince Lawrence. So, as all good murders go, they have to go investigate the husband. Ah, yes. You always investigate the husband first. (laughs) We keep devolving to a true crime podcast here and there. (laughs) (laughs) There is nothing true about this crime. Oh. It felt real to me. (laughs) As Bigby and Snow leave the office, Toad calls saying someone's trashing the woodsman apartment. And can you guys just come over and help? Oh, somebody else is trashing the woodsman's apartment? Yeah. Ooh. So you can choose between going to Prince Lawrence or going to woodsman's apartment. Now we can investigate the husband or we can check out the active tossing of someone's apartment. Hmm. Hmm. I think you should stick with the murder. So, I mean, the woodsman may or may not have been the last person to see her alive. Oh, that's right. And now he's thrashing your place? Someone's trashing his apartment. Oh, someone's trashing his apartment. Yeah. Ooh. Damn. Those are some those are some good leads. All right, where do you want to start? Let like I said, let's start with the prince. Okay. At Prince Lawrence's apartment, Lawrence is near death. Oh. And I want to make it very clear, he can live or die in this scene depending on how you play it. Oh, cool. Yeah, so there's a gun and a bullet hole in the wall, and the apartment is completely trashed. It looks like he shot himself and left a note apologizing to Faith. As Bigby investigates the closet, one of the Tweedles of Tweedledee and Tweedledum fame oh, shit. busts out and takes off. You chase him and find out that the Tweedle told Lawrence that Faith died and Lawrence shot himself on sight. Oh, man. I know. That's... That's sad. Right? So I want to I'll take a step back and go if you went to the woodsman's apartment, it's trashed but it's empty. You can catch a glimpse of someone in the building but no one's there. Mm. They Bigby and Snow can go down to Toads and his apartment is also trashed. Turns out Tweedledee and Tweedledum had trashed Woody's apartment, then ransacked Toads' apartment looking for something, and then threatened to kill Toad's son. Oh, Toad has a son. Yeah. It's Toad Jr. His name's TJ. Oh, little Toad Jr. Yeah. Turns out Toad had Faith's donkey skin coat with a letter to her husband that just said, I'm sorry. How did Toad get that? Toad is... (laughs) Toad's kind of scummy, and when he finds out that people are, you know, out of sorts, sometimes he'll just go through their shit. (laughs) (laughs) I like Toad. The Tweedle that you can kind of chase around and find says he can take Big B to Woody, and then the other Tweedle will jump you, and then they'll just fuck off. Aw. So Snow apparently saw this as like, that's trash. Oh, well. <laughs> and Tweedledee and Tweedledum are fucking massive. They're huge, and they're terrible. I yeah. fucking hate them in this game so goddamn much. And not just fat. Like, they're really tall. They are rotund. Big boys. Yeah. You decide that we're going to head over to the Trip Trap Bar where the woodsman is allegedly holed up. Ah, uh, that's his little his watering hole. Yeah, there's not a lot of bars here. Again, small community. Right. 
Woody is not the bar when you come in, so Bigby pokes around with the bartender named Holly and one of the regulars, Gren. After denying Woody's ever been there, Woody's dumbass comes whistling out of the bathroom. Oh, Jesus. They talk for a little bit, and Woody confesses to trying to rob Red Riding Hood the day Bigby came to eat them and accidentally made the woodsman a hero. <laughs> so, like, he casually just admits to, like, man, I was trying to fuck this bitch up. I know. And you stopped, and <laughs> I killed you and or put rocks in your belly, however the... The lore goes. The lore goes, yeah. I know the lore is kind of regional and obviously changes over years because of games like Telephone, but... right. Man, that's a pretty fucked up confession. No, entirely. Gren is at the bar and he goes, hey, you, fuck you. Holly's sister went missing and none of you did anything. And he picks a fight with Bigby, who goes partial wolf. So. <laughs> Just partial wolf. As Bigby gets amped up and gets upset, his wolf comes out. And it's fucking cool. It's kind of like a werewolf situation. You know, he's a standing up man. And then he can get a little bit of fur. He gets bigger. His endurance gets greater. It's fucking sick. Yeah, it's a really cool moment. It's kind of his Hulk out moment, but he has like different levels of it. Yeah, it's you don't go full, full wolf just yet. We do build through that through the game. But yeah. for level one, chapter one, this is pretty great. Yeah, you're kind of a wolf man situation here. And, you know, it's reasonable that Gren's like, hey, fuck you. Someone else went missing. And now you're tripping over someone else. Yeah. We've been trying to fight this. And Big B goes, man, <laughs> I have no budget. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one guy. I'm one man. And like I mentioned, this can get gory. You can tear Gren's arm off entirely. Yeah. Big B has a drink to calm his nerves. And then in walks one of the Tweedles. The Tweedle recognizes Big B. And he looks around and goes, ah, fuck. And Woody <laughs> takes this moment to go, ah, fuck. And they both run. Because <laughs> wouldn't you? Yeah, it, it, I would if I saw the wolf man staring at me. And in my playthrough, at least, you just dismembered someone. Right. Casually at a bar and then had a drink. So, <laughs> you know, not the best place to be. And you're the sheriff. You're the sheriff. A <laughs> cab. So, <laughs> you can choose whichever one to arrest and chase after, and you can grab either the Tweedle or Woody. Doesn't really matter at this point. Okay. You have one of them arrested in cuffs, and as you're walking back to your office, there are police sirens everywhere. Your office is also in the same apartment building you live in, for yeah. context. It's really just HQ. Yeah, it like all of Fable Town is like three blocks. Yeah. It's not very large. <laughs> I love that meme of Superman saves the world, Batman saves Gotham, and then there's Daredevil micromanaging the shit out of six blocks in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, that's kind of the same situation. Yeah. <laughs> I was really excited. When I went to New York Comic Con, I checked into a hotel that was in Hell's Kitchen, so I got to post that as my like check-in, I'm here thing. That's dope. <laughs> so you're walking back to your office, your apartment building, and there are police sirens everywhere. And like we mentioned, there's no budget for Fable Town PD. This is NYPD. Yeah. So, uh-oh, something crossed over. The real cops are here. At the steps of this building, exactly where you found Faith's head is the head of Snow White. Ugh. But we know she survives because he mentioned they have seven kids, so... Um. <laughs> Pocket Fairy's the lead! Oh no! 
it's all good. I mean, it is, uh, but it is very shocking, and that is how chapter one, like, fully ends. Like, it shows her head and then cut to black. It's such a good ending. (laughs) So that is the end of chapter one. And then you wait a couple months for the next (laughs) follow-up. This was a fucking era for gaming, let me fucking tell you. Yeah, you don't see it too much anymore. Even, like, Life is Strange went to just, like, a straight release for the third one. Yeah, they did. (laughs) Like, True Colors, full game, let's fucking go. Yeah. Smoke and Mirrors is chapter two. We pick up, Bigby is almost immediately taken in by the NYPD to be questioned for Snow White's murder. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you're, like, her partner. Yeah, and you're rolling up. You've clearly been photographed together and shit, being running around and stuff, so... Hey, what's going on? And obviously you roll up with someone in handcuffs and you run over to go, oh my god, that's my boss's fucking head. Yeah. Shit. So this is the regular NYPD, so he can't allude to the fables or anything like that. He can't go, well, Mr. Toad fucking called me, <laughs> and then Tweedledee hit me, you know? Let me call up Ichabod Crane real quick. Yeah, let <laughs> Ichabod Crane come fix it. And he'll have the Tin Woodsman come down here, and we'll have a party. I'm glad you mentioned Ichabod Crane, because while he's getting questioned, Ichabod Crane shows up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he casts a mind wipe spell on the cops and takes him back to Fable Town. So doing a literal wave of the magic wand to uh, get him out of that situation. Yep. That's how we deal with Mundies, who are (laughs) known as the humans, the muggles, essentially, of this world, the non-fables. Oh, so it was more like a men in black moment where he just flashy thinging them and then he's like, all right, let's go. Totally. (laughs) Awesome. Got his noisy cricket and shit. (laughs) Noisy cricket get wicked with you. Sorry. You couldn't resist. I couldn't. You give me an opening to sing a Will Smith rap, I'm gonna fucking do it. I'm weak. <laughs> so back at the office, Crane has Bigby start interrogating either the Woodsman or Tweedledee, depending on whichever one you arrested. Okay. Which is kind of cool, too, just to see your actions go chapter to chapter, because there's so many games where when it's broken up, it kind of resets and you just deal with it. And honestly, that does happen in later Telltale games, too. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't carry over as well during these early ones. Yeah, but, you know, these are pretty cool. So whichever one you arrested, you're going to fucking interrogate. And you're in a shitty interrogation room, which is kind of cool. Right. And then Blackbeard is here for some fucking reason. The pirate? Yes. Okay. He's a billionaire in this world (laughs) for some fucking reason. I guess it's all the pillaging. I was going to say, it's all that treasure. Yeah, the treasures. (laughs) So Blackbeard's here too, just being involved. And as Bigby's getting riled up, Snow White, who's alive, walks in in the door and goes, what the fuck are you all doing? Gasp. Snow White's alive? Dun, dun, dun. All right. So now everybody's picking their jaws up off the floor. She's second build, guys. Like it's not it's not a scream Drew Barrymore situation. That doesn't happen. So so clearly Snow White isn't dead and is like, hey, the fuck are you all doing? Right. So it turns out that Toad's son, TJ, Toad Jr., was swimming and found the decapitated body in the river. Oh, as you do. It's really, he's a little baby boy, and he goes, he didn't have a head. He's hes too young and innocent for this world. Oh, so he's not all like, hey, you want to see a dead body about it? He's more like, I had to see a dead body. Fully the latter. Oh. <laughs> he's a sweet little angel frog. And Baby and Snow have a corpse to investigate now, <laughs> so <laughs> let's just fucking do that. Eh, at least there's a body to go with the head. 
While the body certainly looks like snow and is wearing clothes similar to snow, snow, real snow, notices small differences in her clothes, and they deduce it's someone in desperate times who, for some reason, used glamour to look like snow. Oh. And it's it's very surreal for her, I'm sure. At one point, Bigby goes, are you good? And she goes, yeah, yeah, let's just fucking get this shit over with. Oh, if I was Big B, I would start being like, all right, did we actually have that conversation yesterday? Was that you I was talking to? Fully. Like, I'd get paranoid as fuck about who have I been talking to the last day. Totally. So as they're searching Fake Snow's dead body, the cheap glamour starts wearing off and she transforms back into her natural troll form. A troll. The irony that she's trolling them as a troll. (laughs) That's good. Palpable. They know one troll, Holly, the bartender, whose sister went missing. Oh, well, that's at least going to reveal that. A clue. Yeah, but she went missing. Where's she been? What's she been doing? Oh, this is good. She might have been snow. So you go to the bar, the trip trap, and Gren is still all fucked up there. You know, most people rip his arm off. He's got no arm. (laughs) (laughs) And he's... He doesn't like seeing you. No. And Holly says it's definitely her sister, Lily, who was a sex worker that wanted out of a club downtown, the pudding and pie. The pudding and pie. Now, she was a troll that was a sex worker? Yes. Where was like they're a high demand for troll pussy? Have you ever been on the internet? Oh, that's true. <laughs> if you type in any woman's name and the word foot, that's, that's, oh, <laughs> wow, that's bad enough. Yeah. So, honestly, just the word foot. <laughs> we don't even need to get into genders. I no. don't know why I gendered that. Non-binary feet. Any foot. Any foot. Any foot. So, yeah, there, there's a market for trolls. And again, in this world, there are glamours. So if you think about, you know, that episode of The Boys where they had Doppelganger transform into someone for Homelander to fuck. Oh, that's right. Oh, that kind of... Sh- that's, there's there's some parallels there. There's some darkness. There's some certain darkness. So, again, Sister Lily went missing a while ago. She's been a sex worker out of the pudding and pie and clearly had been trying to get out of the lifestyle. It's not for everyone, and this is a world with very strange rules and regulations, so doing something like sex work in kind of a seedier place out of a club, probably not the best environment. Got it. I mean, she's dead now. So. Right. Clearly, that's, this didn't work out too well for her. Didn't go great. So you go to the Pudding and Pie Club to investigate, and it is this sleazy as fuck strip club run by this scrawny shithead named Georgie Porgy. Georgie Porgy Pudding Pie <laughs> kissed the girls and made them cry. Now, see, I didn't know who Georgie Porgy was. You clearly do now. I know. But when I was playing the game, he has a tattoo across his neck that said, kiss the girls. It looks so cool, to be real. So I actually thought he was supposed to be like Sebastian from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> it's Flounder, but as a badass, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Flounder as a pimp. <laughs> but this is an example of like, I had completely forgotten Georgie Porgy as like a nursery rhyme. Yeah. Playing this game. And then I had to look in the Book of Fables like, Oh, that's who this guy's supposed to be. Okay. I totally forgot this one. If you play this, use the Book of Fables. It's very helpful. Yeah, it really clears some shit up for you. So Georgie Porgy is this trash-ass scrawny pimp with a Cockney accent. It's exactly what it sounds like. Like Tom mentioned, tattoos, looking trash. He's great. (laughs) I I hate him, but it's a very well-done character. 
but it elicits a response, which just means he's well produced, you know. Just like picture a heroin addict meth head in your head, and it's pretty much Georgie Porgy. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> and he is literally just screaming at a stripper to be more sexy when Bigby walks in. Be more sexy. Oi! And no one's gonna wanna fuck you. Make a better face. <laughs> Make like a better that. face. <laughs> Shit like that. Bigby intimidates him by either looking tough and talking shit or just breaking things in the club to get Georgie to reveal his client list. I mean, messing up his place of business, that's going to make him talk, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. This is some street justice that's shit That's how Bigby's he makes doing. his money. Yeah. So Bigby gets the client list and sees Lily was with a Mr. Smith at the Open Arms Hotel. I mean, who uses their real name when they're having the sex worker over? Like, oh, I know. I barely use my real name on social sometimes. You right? Know? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to tag this. <laughs> you fucking kidding me? My name's not Tom, everybody. <laughs> I'm kidding, it is. If this is how I find out you've been lying to me for so long. <laughs> I check our marriage license. I'm like, who's Steve? <laughs> the fuck? So Bigby heads to the Open Arms Hotel to look for clues. You're in detective mode. Oh, detective mode. Turns out Beauty works the night desk at the hotel. Oh, okay. That's where she's been sneaking off to at night without telling Beast. She's just going to work? This is actually a little sad and is kind of a, a sad millennial moment to be real. Okay. She alludes to money problems and trying to keep up with their royal lifestyle, so she's been moonlighting just to help them float and not telling him about it because she finds it shameful to her husband, but is like, I have to get a side hustle to make ends meet. Oh, inflation is such a bitch. It is, and even in the 80s, are you fucking kidding me? Fucking Reaganomics. Cocaine costs a lot of money. That's true. It's a hell of a drug. <laughs> Which is I don't know. It's sad. I don't think I'd ever keep a job from you. No. I feel like if I told you, hey, Tom, I'm going to pick up a job to get some more money, you'd be like, let me not shame you for that. Yeah, I'd say, how can I help? Yeah. <laughs> Do you need a ride? Yeah. <laughs> you good? She's basically like, yeah, we've been living this lavish lifestyle. We're used to the castle. Beast grew up a prince. We got we to gotta make some money, honey. It's been hard for a fable. She's become accustomed to a very certain lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. So he goes, yeah, that's fine. I don't really give a shit. That's between you guys. I need to get into this room because it's where Lily clearly was before she died with Mr. Smith. I have to go check this room for clues. Okay. And imagine if you had screwed her over earlier, she would not help you kind of shit. She's at least crankier about it of like, fuck you. (laughs) You told on me. And he goes, why the fuck am I involved in your marriage? True. Don't involve your relationship with other people's business and vice versa. And never just like go up to somebody and say, lie for me. This has been Marriage Tips with Tom and Andrea. She takes you up to Lily's room, but ends up having trouble unlocking the door. Ooh. And goes, oh, God damn it. And as they're trying to get in, you know, they're jiggling the lock, kind of pounding around being like, man, what the fuck? Beast shows up looking for beauty, and since you two are trying to get into a hotel room in the middle of the night, Beast assumes the worst. Of course. And it goes, you guys are fucking. (laughs) You're cheating together and bum rushes you to fight. I mean. Immediately. Yeah, considering, like, especially if you had, like, lied to him earlier, it just looks way worse. That's true. If you're like, I never saw her, and then the next time he sees you, you're jiggling the door to a seedy hotel room. Yeah. Yeah, that's trash. 
So the way he tackles you, he bum rushes you into the door frame and busts the door down. Oh, damn. So you're actually able to get through the door now. When you get into the door, the room itself is full of flowers and blood. Flowers and blood. That is a great description. This clearly looks like the room where Lily died. Ooh. Bigby finds a few pictures of snow, but obviously Lily glamoured as snow. Right. Or maybe pictures of snow that they use to help create. Yeah, for the glamour to go, okay, let's put your hair over here. Yeah, gross. One of Lily as snow kind of like, okay, that's the glamour. With Ichabod Crane. Ichabod, ugh. He was Mr. Smith the whole time. Oh, that's so fucking gross. So, like, what was he doing? He was, like, trying... He wanted to fuck his employee. Yep. Ugh. Oh. God, and, like, Ichabod's just gross-looking to begin with. Yep. So to make him just be gross on top of that. How wild is it that we're talking about, like, a sex triangle with Snow White and Ichabod Crane and the Big Bad Wolf? <laughs> <laughs> this game's great. <laughs> Ugh. The scene then cuts to Ichabod Crane in his office spying on Bigby as he discovers this using the magic mirror. The magic mirror from Snow White. Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's from the Snow White story. Yeah, so it kind of ties in together. Okay. The magic mirror is obviously that mythical object. You are able to ask the mirror for help or to spy on people, and it can show you. Yeah. There's actually a great sequence where Bigby is trying to use the mirror, and the mirror (laughs) won't let him use it unless he rhymes. Right. So (laughs) there are rules to this. But now Bigby knows Crane is the person who was fucking Lily while Lily was dressed up as snow. And Crane knows that Bigby knows. Uh-oh. They all that know that sense. they know that who knows that what knows. But Bigby doesn't know that Crane knows that he knows. Okay, now that is a problem. Sorry. Ichabod Crane breaks the mirror with the magic lamp. A real sentence I just said. Oh, no, but, like, the mirror's sentient. Yeah, it is sentient. There is a soul in there. There's a person in that mirror, and he just broke it. <laughs> and that's where the episode ends. Oh, shit. Yeah. So the one tool that they had at their disposal to see people with, broken. Fuck you, Ichabod. Right. Their spy tool. And if there is a genie in the magic lamp at this time, he fully just had an earthquake. To be fair, though, that magic mirror is kind of like Big Brother. That's true. Should we use this? Yeah. Should it be a resource? Should it be used under specific circumstances. He's clearly using it just for shits and giggles. You know, it's like in, in the uh, second Batman, the Dark Knight movie, where he uses the cell phones to try to find the Joker, and he's like, this is fucking wrong. <laughs> Lucius Fox is like, I, I don't feel comfortable using this <laughs> at all. <laughs> I will make you full, like, bulletproof shit so you can take people nearly to death, but this feels bad. Yeah, and, like, that was too far for even Batman, but the, you know... Fucking Bigby's got this all-powerful mirror that can kind of show him whatever the fuck he needs to see. Yeah. I mean, not anymore. Now it's broken. Yeah, now it's broken, so. (laughs) Chapter three is called A Crooked Mile. Ah, Crooked Mile. So now Bigby knows Crane killed a sex worker who was glamored to look like Snow, his assistant. I mean, he knows that he hired a sex worker to dress as Snow. Yes. We don't necessarily know that he killed her, do we? That's fair. You know? He was definitely there when some shit went down. Yeah. Yikes. But still, pretty bad. So Bigby heads to Lily's funeral out of respect, you know? 
Sure. We, the body's been discovered. Holly's aware. The family knows. Gotta give her a proper troll goodbye. If Prince Lawrence is alive and you manage to save him or keep him from shooting himself, he's there, which is kind of nice. Oh, okay. And that kind of happens. There are characters who can die and they show up in scenes if they're not or they're excluded from areas. So it, that's that's something I really appreciate. There's a lot of things where we'll, the life or death can be for non-specific characters. Obviously not the case in Heavy Rain where Tom royally fucked up and killed a playable character and missed an eighth of the game. Yeah, we got to bring that up again. <laughs> it makes me laugh. <laughs> so, but you're right. There are no main character permadeaths in this game. Yeah, but it, it creates a really interesting sense of community when you see these people show back up and or not show up at all and clearly have their presence missing. Yeah. Snow White takes her role in the community very seriously. So she gives a eulogy to Lily. And wants to make sure she's participating and showing love for this person that, unfortunately, the community wasn't able to protect. Yeah. Bigby kind of hangs back because he's not really a funeral guy. (laughs) And the Tweedles roll up to the funeral, put shotguns to his back, and tell Bigby to back off of this investigation on Crane. Well, I mean, that just makes me want to investigate more, but okay. Oh, my God, right? (laughs) Once Holly, who again, Lily's sister, sees the Tweedles at a fucking family funeral, Mm. she unglamors back into a troll and is like, fuck you. And a fight breaks out because Holly's the baddest bitch. Hell yeah. And like, I imagine troll means like gigantic and strong as fuck. Oh, she's big. Yeah. She's got horns. She got like buck teeth and shit. She's crazy looking. Hell yeah. She's like an orange tone. A bunch of people can get hurt at this point. <laughs> and Bigby gets super fucked up and shot. Oh. Just straight up catches a bullet. Oh, shit. Since he gets shot, he goes to Dr. Swinehart, who only gets most of the bullet out and says that some of the shrapnel will just have to naturally be forced out eventually. I'm sorry, Dr. Swinehart? Yes. All right. <laughs> They're not all super whimsical. Some are just funky. Some's just Dr. Pigheart. Yeah. <laughs> he also seems to be like the only doctor in town. I mean, I imagine fable anatomy is very specific. Yeah. I mean, like Colin's a pig. So yeah. I guess you need a vet. And when you've got like these super healing, super strong beings, it's a little bit more difficult to deal with. Yeah. I'm sure like troll medicine is very different from humanoid medicine. And Bigby's kind of a werewolf, to be real. He's a man. He can... Control when he turns into a wolf. Yeah, he's like... Similar to a werewolf. That's not a traditional werewolf, but... Right, because as we were talking about earlier like with Mr. Toad, how there's the glamours and you got to pay for them. There's also like permanent glamours too situation going on. Yes, there is just full on, this is me now shit. Yeah, and that's more where Bigby's at. He's not, he hasn't paid for like an expensive glamour. His He's like really just become a person. He's found his humanity. I think that's a very interesting thing that you've called out. Yeah, because in stories traditionally, just a wolf. Yeah. Like a straight up bark, bark shit. But he's in a weird place where he can control his changing. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Anyway, he's catching his bullet out. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Back at the office, Snow is just getting super frustrated and sees that Crane shattered the magic mirror. So they cannot put eyes on him. Right. So he can disappear. Yeah. I mean, he can kind of just do whatever he wants and know that the magic mirror cannot find him. Essentially. Right. But yeah, to your point, yes, he can just kind of socially disappear. 
Bigby is like, ouch, my bullet hole. (laughs) (laughs) So they try to piece the mirror back together, but it turns out that Crane actually took a big shard of the mirror with him. So it cannot be put back together at all. So they do not have a chance of getting it back, even if they tried at this point. I mean, smart man, that Ichabod. He he was a thinker, to be fair. That is <laughs> a big brain move. Right. They also find a fables book with a page torn out of it relating to a magic object that Crane must have taken. Hmm. So in the office, there are a bunch of books, which is really cool, that talk about the fables and are essentially nursery rhyme books and those, God, uh, fucking... Hansel and Gretel books, the Canterbury Mother Tales. Mother Goose. Mother Goose, shit like that. That kind of stuff, okay. Yeah, those compilations of books that go in, Grimm's Fairy Tales, shit like that. Yeah, totally. So it's their history, and there are obviously books like like the D&D manuals that go into here what all the dragons do, and here are all the mythical objects and shit like that. Right, and they are usually like in the original uh, language and the original context mm-hmm. and stuff too, so like... Where, you know, the Americanized version gets kind of bastardized and turned into all sorts of things. Like, if you hear what the original story of the Little Mermaid is, it's really oh. fucking sad at the end. Like, it's there's so dark. no happily ever after in the real fucking Little Mermaid. Mm-mm. But, you know, the Disney-fied version has become, like, very happy ending. So, if you're only used to that version, you need the original context and they have those original contexts there. Yeah, and to your point, that's the issue with a lot of, like, older religious texts and stuff. They've been passed down and translated over and over again. So a lot of the original meanings have changed a lot. Yeah. It's very tricky. So same thing. That's why they have these really ancient texts of the original words so they can reference stuff because they have a very specific culture. Totally. It's so funny calling this a culture because I'm literally like, "Eh, and Snow White was trying to put the magic mirror back together (laughs) with the big bad wolf. But the fables have developed like this, their own version of the same things that we have. And it's, it's a very, it's so accessible is what it is at the end of the day, because they are stories that we've all grown up with. We know these characters going in without like it being a Marvel or any other kind of franchise. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of a amalgam of, a bunch of past franchises. Yeah, which is it's kind of ha- that cinematic universe element to your yeah, point. <laughs> a little bit. Because speaking of, dick-ass Bluebeard strolls in <laughs> and whines about how Ichabod Crane's disappeared and now the whole office is a mess and there's no leadership. Oh, now I got pirates. <laughs> Who might have actually been real though, right? Wasn't Bluebeard at least a myth, like a... A rumored urban legend figure in pirate days? Probably. I don't know. Blackbeard, Bluebeard, Redbeard are all this fucking bunch of bearded guys. (laughs) You should know about this. It's your culture. I know, and I can't cosplay as any of them. (laughs) That's that's right, because this Bluebeard is bald. Again. Now, there is a monkey that lives in the office. I was Uh, wondering when we were going to talk about him. I love the flying monkey. His name is Buffkin, and he's drunk. (laughs) <laughs> I believe Buffkin is supposed to look like one of the flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz. Oh, absolutely. He right? Is. He is, he doesn't do a lot, but he no. does drink a lot. He is totally fucking useless, but I love him so much. <laughs> what do you love about him? I, I think what I love about him is how much Big B hates him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought you were going to say, like, he's funny. (laughs) I mean, in that, it is funny. (laughs) His hatred of Buffkin is very funny to me to the point that it, like, endears me 
too buffkin. <laughs> you go, hell yeah, you're fucking hilarious. I'm like, you're so fucking useless. And like, you don't even try. <laughs> I think that's the best part about Buffkin. At no point does he try to be better. Yeah. <laughs> there are like two points in the game where Snow just yells at him because he found a bottle of wine and just starts chugging. <laughs> and Snow's like, can you help me get this book? And he goes, sure. And then you cut back to him and he's just drunk in the bookcase. <laughs> and you go, what the fuck, man? Why is this even here? Yeah, I love Buffkin. So Buffkin comes into the scene and decides... Now is the time to mention that he heard Crane say he had to meet someone at 2 a.m., which is soon. Nothing good happens after 2 a.m. Facts. Like, just in general. Remember that for life, because nothing good happens after 2 (laughs) a.m. And on the rare occasion that it does, it wasn't worth it. No, entirely. What, picking someone out of the drunk tank? No. Yeah. (laughs) Never could. So you're like, thanks, Buffkin. You could have told us this when we walked into the office, (laughs) when you saw us picking up loose shards of glass and trying to piece it back together barehanded, you asshole. In his defense, he was drunk. (laughs) (laughs) You understand why Bigby hates this creature now. Exactly. (laughs) So from here, you have three options. You can go to Crane's apartment. Okay. Reasonable to investigate there. You can go to the Tweedle's office. Okay. Figure out why they're fucking with Crane. Or you can go to Holly's bar, the trip trap, to look through Lily's stuff regarding Crane and the glamour and kind of see if there's clues from like her personal belongings. Are you giving me a choice right now? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. I want to investigate the Tweedles. The Tweedles office. Bigby finds an address for someone called A.G. for Crane's witch. A.G.? Yes. For Crane's Witch. Yes. Okay. If you go here first, Flycatcher, who's just a boy with a frog hat, is the janitor, and you can offer him a job, which is, like, nice, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I like Flycatcher. He's kind of a, just a slow talker. He looks like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo with a frog hat. Yeah, with a frog hat on. Yeah. (laughs) If you go here second or third, Bluebeard beats you here and kicks the shit out of Flycatcher. Ransack the office and just leaves the place in a mess. Oh, damn. Bluebeard's a dick. Bluebeard fucking sucks. So, but you do have an address for someone with the initials AG. All right. AG at least. Uh, Now, are we assuming this is where he got his glamour? Yeah, because it says witch. So you're like, okay, what do witches do? This probably relates to glamour. For sure. All right. Now we can investigate the trip trap or Crane's apartment. I think Crane's apartment because the trip trap, like... To me, that one's not going to change. Okay. <laughs> Bigby runs into Jack, who's looting Crane's apartment. <laughs> like, of the beanstalk? Of the beanstalk fame. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Jack's basically like, there's some good shit in here. <laughs> <laughs> so does, like, everybody in Fabled Town know that Ichabod sucks? Yeah. And okay. I think word gets out pretty quickly because this is very high school, too. Small you know, communities. Beauty and Beast act like the worst high school couple you've ever met. Oh, absolutely. Big Beast, the hall monitor. <laughs> it's it's very high school. So word gets around fast. But yeah, Jack's just looting Crane's shit. Nice. Good Jack. And... You can figure out that Crane was definitely going to go see Auntie Greenleaf tonight. Auntie Greenleaf? Yes. Okay. Which is AG. AG. So you're like, okay, cool. I have an address. I have her name. Right. And I'm 
pretty sure she's a witch. Oh, I remember Auntie Greenleaf now. Now that you say it, I remember this whole scene. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So now let's go check out the trip trap, our last stop. For sure. Bigby scenes one-armed Grendel, or two-armed <laughs> if he didn't rip his arm off. I did, so all my notes just say one-armed Grendel. <laughs> yeah, poor Gren. Yeah, but it's just more fun. <laughs> Who, you know, also got fucked up at the funeral, so he's just got the shit kicked out of him the last few days. And the woodsman, who's just a piece of shit. Obvi. So Holly's like, yeah, Lily's shit's over there. I'm sad. He goes through some notes and clues pointing to Lily getting her glamour from a witch named Auntie Greenleaf. I'm sorry. I'm stuck on something. Yeah. I'm stuck on Grendel. One-armed Grendel? I actually kind of feel really bad for Grendel right now. And it's because Grendel should theoretically be the oldest of the fables. Okay. Now, Grendel comes from the story Beowulf. And Mm -hmm. Beowulf is considered the first ever novel. That's true, yeah. So he should be kind of the oldest character out of all the fables. And we've ripped his fucking arm off. And he looks like... 35. Yeah, no, obviously, <laughs> like, his glamour is, like, making him much younger and shit, but it's just like, damn, this guy's lived a really fucking long time, and Bigby just ripped his goddamn <laughs> arm off, so it's... It's not growing back. He's not Deadpooling <laughs> this shit out. He's just maimed. Yeah, sorry, my brain got stuck on that. I just had to get it out, but it was just like, oh, poor Gren. <laughs> poor fucking Gren. You know what, and, like, aside from that... He doesn't need to be this involved. Like, he's no. just like, Holly's my girl. This is the bar I go to. Like, I probably grew up hanging out with him, her and Lily. Lily disappeared. I'm really fucking sad. I'm disappointed that the services that were supposed to protect my community fucking failed. And then when he called out the sheriff for it, like a badass being like, hey, fuck you for not helping my friend. He got his arm ripped off. It's so bad. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe this is a bar for... You know how you're, we were talking about like there's animals that have to glamour. These are more like monsters and creatures that have to glamour. Yes, you know? very true. Because Tolly's again big troll. Troll, yeah. Like not not a troll under the bridge. A troll that fucking protects the bridge. Like this yeah. is a big fucking troll. Ugh. You have all this information. Definitely know Crane is going to go meet Auntie Greenleaf tonight at like two. You have an address, and you have confirmed that Lily was getting her glamour. From Auntie Greenleaf mm. to look like snow. So by now, you and real snow, I'm just going to say real snow real so it snow. doesn't sound too <laughs> confusing, are like, cool, we 100% have to go see Auntie Greenleaf. Yeah. So both of you go to the apartment of the address that you got from the Tweedles office, and she's not home, but her granddaughter is. Okay. Niecy her- Greenleaf. Yeah. She's probably like 14 to 16-ish. They look around and Bigby finds a glamour tube, which is kind of where they keep the spell. It's a little mythical item. And he opens it. And then the younger girl turns into Auntie Greenleaf. Ah, okay. So you can't trust this bitch. No, immediately it was like, (laughs) oh shit, the cops are coming. Let me pretend to be a child. Right. And then immediately got busted. (laughs) It was Agatha all along. (laughs) Snow realizes that She, right now, is the deputy mayor because Ichabod Crane just fucked off and (laughs) is like, oh, I'm in charge. Fuck all this. They're walking around the apartment and they see this mythical tree. Now, this tree is, again, a magic item and it's what Auntie Greenleaf uses to create glamour. Right. So I don't know the exact science of it because it's 
made up. It's the exact magic of yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't describe that. I, I, I'm not good at science in general, let alone fake magic. It's the source of her power. Yeah. <laughs> so Snow is like, you know what? You're being an asshole. We're in a whole bunch of shit. I saw my own dead body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm having a weird time. I can have this tree removed because this is causing a whole lot of shit. The tree's illegal. You can't have it. We're going to burn it. <laughs> yeah, these are not legal glamours she's making at all. Yes. Auntie Greenleaf is like, fuck you. That's all I have left of the old world. And it's my livelihood. Right. And she says, Crane is at the pudding and pie. Immediately <laughs> gives him up. <laughs> Don't touch my fucking plants. Yeah. Big B has the choice to either burn this tree down like Snow requested or just leave it because honestly, who gives a shit? There's a murderer out there and go to the pudding and pie. I burned that tree. I totally burned it. <laughs> I burned the fuck out of that tree. And oh, she is so mad. It's like this combination of like anger and grieving that she has. It's just you really destroy her by burning this tree. Not to bring it up again, but to immediately bring it up again, <laughs> Mrs. Braithwaite, after oh, right. the assault on Braithwaite Manor when the house is in flames. Very similar energy. Oh, my God. And I felt very satisfied burning that tree. Because, like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't go making glamours of, like, like Snow White is extremely famous. Yeah. Like, not just in, like, in terms of, like, storytelling, in the world of fables, like, she's the deputy mayor. Everybody fucking knows her. Yeah, she's made it a point to be a centralized community member. And she knew who was buying it, too. Yeah, which is so creepy. Oh, she's just so complicit. And you know what? Fuck your little side business. Like, you're you're bad. Yeah. There's a, there's a difference between providing glamour to people like Toad, who are struggling because they have kids and a shitty job and just need glamour to be able to go to the grocery store. Totally. Or giving it to people so they can live out their weird sex fantasies. Yeah. Just wrong. Against people they, you know, if you have that fantasy, jerk off. You don't need to <laughs> act on it. All right. Let's keep things dark for just a second. And like, yeah. do you think like in the Harry Potter universe, there's polyjuice potion that they use with like sex workers and stuff to do kind of the same thing a hundred percent yeah i can guarantee that there's like go down nocturne alley and you'll (laughs) find that very thing going on oh you're going down it (laughs) okay sorry let's get back to fables how long does polyjuice potion last uh roughly an hour so there's gonna be instances where it changes halfway through (laughs) that's all i jump to (laughs) as long as you keep taking it you're fine Oh, okay so there's like a timer yeah, yeah, that's what that's how um, in the fourth book, Mad Eye Moody slash Barty Crouch Jr. was able to like maintain his guys for the entire school year. That's right, and Homeboy was in the case or something the whole yeah. time. Okay, got it. Anyway, but, anyway, you know, I, I was just thinking like glamour is very similar to like Polyjuice potions. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? Something like that has to exist in like the very dark side of the Harry Potter universe. Absolutely, and just in the front side of a very dark universe of the boys, it was very openly addressed right. immediately. <laughs> so I absolutely 100% believe that that's also valid. I think that there are storylines of X-Men where, uh, fuck, Rebecca Romaine Stamos, Jennifer Lawrence, Blue. Oh, uh, Mystique. Mystique, thank you. I'm just going to keep naming performers <laughs> until we get there. If I start getting into the voice actors or the animated, we're in trouble. <laughs> but yeah, I absolutely think that there's something terrible going on there. And unfortunately, Snow White 
has to investigate someone who was killed looking like her just that trips me up that's gotta suck that's gotta be the most fucked up investigation yeah so bigby and snow leave auntie greenleaf either in tears or just dip right they roll up at the pudding and pie and georgie's immediately like oh no we have a problem (laughs) (laughs) the game is afoot they roll up on crane getting super aggressive with narissa the dancer that Bigby met before that wasn't making a sexy enough face. Right. <laughs> and Crane is trying to use a magical ring to force Narissa to give him an alibi and acquit himself of the murders. Ooh, okay. So he needs an alibi, which is always, you know, here, here's the truth about alibis is most people don't have one. The, the, the fact of you having one is almost more suspicious than not having one. Because of the implication. <laughs> because of the implication, right. So <laughs> I want to note that Narissa also has a ribbon around her neck. Okay, so this seems to be a theme with kind of the girls that seem to work at putting in pie at the very least. Absolutely. And he's using this ring and he's like, this ring will help me and you can fucking say that I'm innocent and this is fine. The ring isn't doing shit. (laughs) It's not a magic ring. Yeah. (laughs) He had the wrong magic ring. (laughs) It clearly just doesn't fucking work. And it's implied that it's the page that was ripped out of the book of mythical shit from the office earlier. But it doesn't Uh. matter. Shit doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) This one controls the weather. Yeah. (laughs) Somewhere there's a stoplight that just keeps flickering on and off every time he uses it. (laughs) It's one of the Captain Planet rings. Yeah. (laughs) The heart kid's going crazy right now. Wait, would you live to see the Planeteers in Fable? <laughs> Go planet. Just like fucking fire chain smoking and shit. <laughs> Earth just like grows pot. He would. He would grow pot. With heart. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like heart would be a tweaker just like freaking out with like a crazy heartbeat. That would be his deal. <laughs> anyway, off of my Fable fanfic. Right. So... You guys roll in and you're like, Crane, fuck you. While you're talking to Crane, there is a path you can take to ask him about the picture of Crane and Snow. And again, this is a picture of Crane and the glamoured Lily as Snow. Right. And Crane can just say he loves Snow. <laughs> uh, he it's just folds. so fucking creepy. You know, that whole like, I fell in love with you, like trope. Ugh. I mean, and it's real. Like, There are people that have done it. I've had former friends that have done it. It's fucking creepy. I appreciate that they're former friends. Yeah, absolutely. They're former friends because I guess I'm going to drop some lessons here tonight, guys, (laughs) because like I've I've given a few at this point. But like you're not in love if they haven't reciprocated. Mm. I'm sorry. It's it's you might have an infatuation, but it's not love. It's until it's reciprocated. It's not real. Sorry. (laughs) This is the therapist among us. It is, but look where it can lead you to. Like this fucking Ichabod <laughs> Crane character doing some sick, twisted, disturbing, fucked up shit. So just make sure it's mutual. I agree. Consent is everything. <laughs> Consent is everything. Yeah. And I've been on the receiving end of these weird conversations that seem like they come out of nowhere. And you just have to go, no, <laughs> we've talked four times. <laughs> you are not in love with me. You just think my tattoos are cool. Yeah. And they are, but fuck you. (laughs) So (laughs) to take it back to the Ichabod Crane snow thing. Yeah. (laughs) Off of that very real moment. Thank you, Tom. This incel moment. Yeah. Crane is like, 
I love you. And she goes, fuck off. No, you don't. <laughs> Which is the appropriate thing to do. It'd be like, shut up. Exactly. Snow goes, you know, he's a scumbag, but I don't know if he's a murderer, you know? Right. So let's see what's going on. Let's keep investigating. I'm not a hundo convinced on this. We need more information. Exactly. Because Snow is very, she's pedantic. She's methodical. She's very detail oriented. And she goes, I think he's just a fucking loser, but I don't know if he killed me. Which is kind of a sick thing to say, like, fuck yes, no. It is, but it's also like a testament to her as a person, where it's like, yeah, she has every reason to want just pure fucking revenge on this guy, but at the end of the day, she's like, no, we need to do this the right way, we need to set the example, you know. you know. Yeah. She She's trying to go about it the right way as best as she can, and she's being as professional as humanly possible, and you gotta commend her for it. Hell yeah. You know, Snow's a baddie. She is smart, and she truly is trying to be as fair as possible and i wouldn't blame her if she wanted to beat the shit out of this man for (laughs) glamoring someone into her to fuck her behind her back that's so creepy she's in an unfair position right now and whatever she chooses to do i would support and she happens to be choosing the right thing yeah she and bigby talk and they decide that they're gonna take him in at least for questioning figure some shit out yeah while they decide what's going on so they take Crane and they're like, all right, let's go to the office. Let's figure this shit out. You're you're under arrest, but you're not being you're not going to trial just yet. Yeah. As they're leaving the pudding and pie, a few cars roll up in the alley right in front of them. Like a fucking gangster movie. Ooh. Out come the Tweedles. Of course they do. And we are introduced to one of my favorite characters in the game. I said Snow is a bad bitch. This is the baddest bitch. Bloody Mary. Oh, Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Oh my God, I'd forgotten about Bloody Mary for a minute. Bloody Mary is just a mean bitch in a leather jacket. <laughs> and I love her so goddamn much. She- I love her because she's like a horror fable. Oh yeah. So for context, I don't know if the younger generation has aged out of this. Yeah. But if you look in a mirror and say Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, and turn off the lights or turn on the lights. Yeah, it's something to do with that. You're supposed to be able to see a ghost. Yeah. And I think it's just like a lighting trick. Oh, uh, yeah. It's entirely just your eyes playing tricks on you. But it's something where you can really scare the shit out of yourself on a rainy night home alone. <laughs> Especially as a young kid. But yeah, so that's what's, again, so cool about this like story and this world and everything is that, yeah, there's fables that are like the good guys. And then there are the fables that are just terrifying. Yeah, like Candyman, that kind of urban legend shit. Oh, yeah. But Bloody Mary exists in this world. She's so fucking cool. Oh, wonderful. I'm Filipino, and there is a urban legend kind of fable where of a witch who can separate her body. Yeah. <laughs> and go around and eat children or something. Bloody Mary's pretty cool. One of my favorite American fables is coming up soon, too. Like, Ooh. The, the, like horror fables. I'm, I'm really Oh, I know exactly for. Oh, which yeah. one you're talking about because he's my other favorite. Yeah, I'm super excited to get to that one. He's one of my favorite character designs. I got really excited getting into this. But we meet Bloody Mary, who comes out of one of the bl- big black cars. And obviously, they're big black SUV, like yeah. gangster looking cars. And they're working for the crooked man. The fucking crooked man. And they just say, hand over crane. Oh, shit. So who is the crooked man? The crooked man lived in a crooked house. Walked a crooked mile. On a crooked mouse? Something about having a crooked (laughs) smile. I don't know. Again, that is an older, uh, like, fairy tale I'm not completely even familiar with as an adult, or I don't think I ever even knew it much as a kid, but... 
you know, it's an ancient one. Yeah. I appreciate the kind of double pun of the crooked man being a mob boss and being a crooked person and yeah. into crooked things and also just being in Fable World, the crooked man. <laughs> yeah. Cool. No, it's, it's a, an appropriately named character. Yeah. So they're like, hand over Crane and Bigby's talking shit. And they start getting impatient and the Tweedles start shooting at Bigby to make him turn into a wolf and like poke it out of him, get him a little riled up. Snow's holding Crane back and is like, I'll protect the package. You fucking fight everyone, I guess. So they're basically trying to just like disrupt the whole thing so they can get their goals accomplished. We're going to go in. We're going to make a lot of noise. We're going to get Crane to Tahiti. I'm so glad we did Red Dead because now I can just drop this shit and not feel weird about doing it out of context. Right. I'm Dutch now. It's great. I'm concussed Dutch. So the Tweedles are shooting at him. They're provoking him to turn into a wolf, get some chaos, probably grab Crane. And in this scuffle, you can actually kill Tweedledum. Yes, you can, and I absolutely killed Tweedledum. I did Tweedledum. too. It's so, <laughs> it's so satisfying to kill Tweedle. I've played this a couple times through, especially over the years. Again, I started playing this as it came out in thirteen. Like we played the first chapter, and then as they were coming out, we were playing them live. Yeah. Because again, I got into it. I handed it over to Tom and said, "You have to try this. This is crazy." And we both got really excited. Oh, yeah, we were, like, doing countdowns to the releases of each one. Yeah, so we both played this. We played good Big B runs. We played Chaos Big B runs. Yeah. It's always so much more satisfying to play a Chaos Big B run. And they've kind of all blended together now in my head, so it's hard to keep them together because it's also been a while since I've played all these. Oh, totally. Yeah, I played them very recently for the show and was like, oh, I forgot this shit happened. Yeah. <laughs> so you're fighting the, the Tweedles. You can kill the dumb Tweedle. Mary doesn't give a fuck about you. Nope. And she shoots you with a silver bullet. Now, what did I tell you about Bigby? He's basically a werewolf. And what are werewolves not great with? Silver bullets, most definitely. Exactly. It's like their one weakness. Yeah. So she shoots him with a silver bullet and then attacks him with the woodsman's axe. Made of silver. Ugh. Like, this is a weapon that's already taken you down once before yeah most definitely and it's been mentioned by woody oh yeah like i i ripped open your belly and stuffed you with rocks like he brings up the most gruesome version of that story but also where did this bitch get his axe girl we've been seeing woody yeah pretty consistently we keep running into him and he's always got his axe on him and he's a big motherfucker yeah and bloody mary's five to 85 pounds maybe she's soaking wet yeah yeah the crooked man is still in his car waiting. Snow is fucking terrified. Oh, yeah. And she just hands over Crane and goes, get the, what the fuck. I want nothing to do with anything. Right. This pleases the crooked man who motions to Mary to leave. Just kind of a get back in the car. Mary stomps Bigby out as she's leaving, takes Crane, gets back in the car, and leaves. Oh, Bloody Mary's badass. That's the end of chapter three. Oh, my God. So we've still got two chapters to go. All right. Oh, goodness. It's so stressful. All right. Well, let's keep going. What happens next? Chapter four, In Sheep's Clothing. I love it. Like, for a wolf. I know. It's so good. Oh, that's good. The chapter opens with Bigby dreaming that Bloody Mary is hacking at him with the axe. I'm just hacking away at his body. Yeah, which is so fucking stressful to open the chapter on. Right. Holy shit. 
He wakes up while Dr. Swinehart is once again pulling a bullet out of him. <laughs> so he was under. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, as a PSA, I've had a couple surgeries in the last few years. Like I said, my health hasn't been great. If you are a heavy user of cannabis, anesthesia can not blend well with a body that has cannabis or THC products in it. And you can wake up during surgery. It hasn't happened to me, but it is not uncommon. So if you are going under with any form of anesthesia, please alert your medical team, your last use of cannabis and however heavily you use it. Because holy shit, that sounds like the worst thing to wake up to in the entire world. Who was it, Travis Barker that that happened to? There's a rumor that that did happen to Travis Barker. He was in an airplane accident and he had a bunch of restorative surgeries and things like that. But that allegedly did happen to him. Yeah, that's fucking Holy wild. Shit. You guys are learning a lot today. <laughs> we are on dropping the other castle, some knowledge. Um, that has nothing to do with video games, but we hope that you walk away with this with some uh, very useful information. <laughs> Medical information, relationship knowledge, hell yeah. If you're ever on Um Actually, this is going to be really helpful during the uh, the life events portion of the game. Or the non-life events portion of the game. This entire podcast is aimed at getting us on Um Actually at some point <laughs> in the future. <laughs> I would, Truth be told. I would so love to be on Um Actually. Oh, yeah, but I love would. Team Dropout. We subscribe to Dropout. We are paid members. I am a big fan of all of their products. I adore them, and I want to scream Um Actually at Mike Trap very bad. It's a lofty goal, but maybe someday we'll get there. Putting it out in the universe. <laughs> That's manifesting, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what it's called. <laughs> so anyway, Dr. Swinehart art. So anyway, Dr. Swinehart is once again pulling that bullet out of Big B. And his roommate, Pig, Colin, and Snow are there for support. You know, since he's a wolf and got shot with a silver bullet, hacked away with an axe, and then curb stomped recently. Reasonable entirely. (laughs) It's sweet that Colin shows up, because Colin kind of hates him. You know, Bigby is the reason Colin is homeless and has to live with him. Yeah, but also, like, Big B wants to kick Colin out really bad and keeps threatening to kick Colin out. So I think Colin's also there to be like, see, I was there for you in your time of need. How can you kick me out? I'm your friend, dickhead. (laughs) Post-op, Snow is super fucking annoying, to be real. If you did kill Tweedledum, which, let's be real, you did, she's like, what the fuck? (laughs) she goes i'm the deputy mayor now and you work for me and we're cracking down on this shit there's a murderer you can't add to the body count (laughs) dipshit and i apologize these are my words she again very composed very professional she's not calling anyone a dipshit that's clearly me (laughs) i don't want to ruin it (laughs) yeah she's like anyone without a glamour is getting deported to the farm cough cough Colin. Whoop. And any frogs that might be listening. Yeah. (laughs) Frog that's driving the car. Right. (laughs) Miss Toad like pulls up like me, huh? What? (laughs) Me? (laughs) So then post-op again, almost just died. She puts it on Bigby to either deport Colin or let him stay. I mean It's kinda cunty. It is a little bitchy. Cause she's like, You're here to support the same person I'm here to support. Also I'm gonna deport you. It's not the greatest thing. No. Also, he's just a pig. Like, as long as he's not talking in front of people, like, let him be a pig. Colin does chain smoke. That's true. He does chain smoke cigarettes. <laughs> so he looks like, well, you know, if you go to Brooklyn, that's probably not that weird. Again, you're in New York. It's not going to be that strange. Yeah. And it's New York in the 80s. Everyone's on cocaine. <laughs> so Snow goes, okay, you know what? I have to take a phone call. I'm going to stop whining at you. And your boy, 
drunk ass Buffkin comes in. Oh, I love Buffkin. And is like, hey, Bigby, Nerissa wants to talk to you. Nerissa is the stripper with the face. Right. That doesn't have a, pr- a sexy enough face. <laughs> We're just going to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Again, ribbon around her neck. Crane was screaming at her to get an alibi out of her. She's involved. Yeah. Bigby hobbles back to his office. He and Nerissa try to talk, but unfortunately, the magic ribbon around her neck keeps her from being able to speak on specific things he's asking about. Oh, okay. So the ribbon is enchanted. Yes. The ring that Crane had didn't help, and she clearly still has some sort of spell or curse on her. And it's the phrasing she uses is, these lips are sealed. So he'll be like, hey... Who's the murderer? And she goes, these lips are sealed. But she's clearly trying to get to a point. It's just that this enchantment is keeping her from getting there, which is so frustrating and really sad because, you know, she does want to help. I'm sure she was really close with Lily. These girls work together. They've been through so much together. And she's like, fuck, man, I just want my friend to have justice. Yeah. And like, that's not the first person to say these lips are sealed to him either. Exactly. Yeah. So Snow busts in. And tells Bigby that Beauty and Beast called, and when she says this, Nerissa perks up and is like, yeah, you guys should go check that out. So she's trying to kind of lead them towards something. Okay. Bigby can take a hint. He's a sheriff. Right. He's a detective. You go to the apartment where Beauty and Beast live, and Beauty reveals that she took a loan out from the crooked man at the pawn shop run by the Jersey Devil. Oh, the Jersey Devil. That's the uh, the other horror fable that I was talking about that I love so much. So the Jersey Devil, historically, is literally just a devil that lives in New Jersey. Yeah. It's fucking great. We're going to get to him in a minute. And Beast also reveals that he's been moonlighting as a courier, if you're young, that means Postmate, for the butcher shop and has seen Bloody Mary there. So hold up. Beast and Beauty have both been like secretly working. Yeah, and not telling each other. And not tell. God, that is a bad relationship. And just being like, I'm going out for eight hours, and I'm taking a lunch with me. So the everybody fuck? listening, we're going to teach you another lesson. So communication <laughs> in a relationship is very important. It's true. And if you want your relationships to work out, you guys got to communicate with each other and tell each other what you're doing. So that way you're not sitting there working a job, and then you're suddenly getting accused of cheating. You should feel comfortable being honest with your partner point blank point blank (laughs) this game is really bringing up a lot (laughs) we're getting into some politics we're getting into like dynamics of relationships by seeing what not to do and we've seen some pretty toxic relationships in this show you know (laughs) i did not expect this episode to be edutainment but here we are i hope it's a at least one of the two, if we're doing both, that's fucking great. I thought Zumbinis was the only edutainment game that we were going to do in this <laughs> series, but um, I guess we got another one here with Wolf Among Us, so. There you go. <laughs> so from here, you have two very good leads. So Nerissa is right to nudge you in the, the direction of talking to Beauty and Beast. Right. So you can follow the lead of going to the pawn shop that the Crooked Man runs under the Jersey Devil. Mm-hmm. Or you can go to the butcher shop where Bloody Mary has been spotted by Beast. Fuck. Those are both such good scenes. I know. Oh, they're both so good. I'm too excited for the Jersey Devil. Let's go to that one first. Okay. That's the one I had first. Okay, good. So let's go to the Lucky Pawn pawn shop 
you run into Jack again of Beanstalk fame. Okay. And see Woody. <laughs> oh, okay. This motherfucker is everywhere. And he's just straight up scream arguing with the Jersey Devil. Jack is like, that sucks. Dips out. <laughs> <laughs> and Bigby overhears Woody say his axe was stolen from his apartment. Oh. Which is why Bloody Mary had it. The Jersey Devil is like, that sucks. I'm not fucking helping you. <laughs> right. He's like, I don't have it. So, I mean, it, starting at the pawn shop's the right place to start, but you don't get mad at him if he doesn't have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's not your fault, man. Yeah, it's like, yeah, obviously that would be the first stop most people would make, but like, that's right, his place got tossed, and that's why uh, yeah. there's that, all right, and you didn't go there to stop them from taking it. <laughs> totally. So the Jersey Devil starts off as this, like, pot-bellied, balding ginger, mm -hmm. and as he and Woody are screaming at each other, he turns into this incredible, beautiful monster deer man with a deer yeah. skull on his head and these crazy antlers. And he's tall, he's long and lanky and scary. It's such a beautiful monster design. Like if a deer skeleton turned into a tree like um like Groot. Oh like, yeah. Take a deer skeleton and throw it onto Groot and you've got the fucking Jersey Devil and it's fucking wild. And he looks like the biggest piece of shit when he's not right. the Jersey Devil. <laughs> he looks very useless otherwise. Yeah, he looks like he owns a pawn shop. Like Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember, this is a weird pull, but there was an Emmy sketch that they did where Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul ran a pawn shop and <laughs> Julie Louis-Dreyfus was selling one of her Emmys. Right. It looks like either Brian Cranston or Aaron Paul just being scummy <laughs> pawn shop owners. It's very straightforward. Yeah. No, the, he's not intimidating. You wouldn't think twice about him, but then he turns into one of the scariest monsters you've ever seen. And he is all sass. He's a total dickhead. Yeah. Bigby comes in, gets involved, and is like, hey, fuck you. I need to learn about the crooked man. And they get into this huge scuffle. It is such a great fight sequence. And it's hard to have a good fight sequence in a QTE story without it being boring. Of going, press X to fucking kick this guy. I was going to say very similar thing. Like, the other game that we've done that was fully QTE was Heavy Rain. Mm -hmm. And their system for QTEs is different from Telltale's system for QTEs. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know which one I like better necessarily. I think that, you know, David Cage's team kind of does some action pieces better, but I think fight scenes, Telltale takes the cake. Yeah, which is... Fully and completely. I absolutely agree. I think the investigation is better in David Cage's Heavy Rain. Yeah, I think so too. Because within the Telltale world, investigations are look at something, press X, read a couple screens. But there's something about the David Cage games that where you can twist things and be a little more interactive, but I also agree that the fight sequences in Telltale are so engaging and there's a melody to them. There's a yeah, rhythm to them. There so it is. And you you've you're excellent with rhythm games. I've seen you yeah. destroy a guitar hero. And so you have that kind of in your brain of mm -hmm. how to play those kind of sequences. And I think that makes it so much more engaging. I mean just to bring it back one more time even in the scene from Red Dead Redemption 2 where John's <laughs> building his fucking house, you can't help but hit X to the beat of that stupid-ass song of building the house. Building like, a house and I'm gonna hit X and I'm gonna win back my X. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna kill Micah. But yeah, so I love the way that Telltale does their quick time events. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's also just because I've gotten older. 
and I don't have the reflexes that I used to have. Like the other night I was playing Call of Duty just for fun. And I was like, what the fuck killed me? You're like, dude, there was a guy right behind that barrel over there. I was like, I didn't even see him. I, I don't fucking know anymore. Your I, fucking Murtaugh moment of I'm getting too old I'm, for this shit. I hate but it's just it so much. <laughs> <laughs> You're not of the generation that grew no sco- grew up no scope sniping. Oh These my God. kids can fucking do that it's, without thinking. Fuck. I, I had doom. They didn't even allow you to look up and down yet in Doom. It was literally just left and right. <laughs> and this is my first game, so <laughs> our skill sets are very different. Very, very different, yeah. So back to the Jersey Devil. There's a huge fight. It's, again, beautiful. It's rhythmic. The music is swelling. You are so engaged. The art direction, again, absolutely gorgeous. Cannot say enough unique, exciting things about this game. Yeah. Love it. And it's unique in the world. It's not unique to Telltale. Telltale has a very signature art style. So in that respect, you know, run of the mill. But their run of the mill is top fucking tier. It is. You know, they have alumni that went off to create Campo Santo, which created our boy Henry from Firewatch. Firewatch. If that gives you a sense of the range of art and how they can keep improving and making beautiful games that aren't just Unreal Engine fucking crazy Red Dead shit. They make beautiful art. That is so special and so tonally specific. I mean, when you create an art style that people literally refer to as the telltale art style. (laughs) That's true. uh, I mean, yeah, it's technically called cell shading, but the way that they do it is, you know, like it's the difference between like how Pixar does animated movies and DreamWorks does animated movies. You can tell the difference between the two. Absolutely. Especially Hanna-Barbera versus Klasky Supo, shit like that. Yeah. So... This fight is so wild, and towards the end, Bigby breaks off one of the antlers of the Jersey Devil Mm -hmm. and stabs him through the stomach with it. It's fucked up. While Woody is rifling through the shop, finds his axe, and hacks away at him, (laughs) and the two boys manage to take him down together. Yeah, so these former, like, enemies are now teaming up together to take down a common one. It is... So fucking satisfying. Oh, yeah. Because, again, it's just these guys can take so much brutality, so it allows for them to hit really fucking hard. This game is so, like, aggressive. Yeah. And, again, it's really nice seeing them work together Mm -hmm. because they've been literally fighting almost every episode since then. Every chance they get. Yeah. Now, I want to take a pause here and just jump over to the butcher shop, and we'll kind of come back to how these episodes end. Oh, I love the butcher shop. This genuinely scared me. Yeah. So we go to the Cut Above Butcher Shop, which is a great name for a butcher shop. Mm -hmm. It's a small butcher shop run by a man named Johan. 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 Bigby asks about Mary and Crane, and Johan looks scared, and he kind of runs off and hides in the butcher area mm-hmm. behind the shop. So it's this big cold room with hanging carcasses of pigs. Yeah. And hanging is- Collins everywhere. Hanging Collins. <laughs> All these uh, pigs that he huffed and puffed down. Right. It's fucking genuinely scary yeah it's a completely dark room and you don't have a great visibility so you're just walking around pig carcasses truly creeped me out and like having to push them to the side and stuff like that it's just Uh. like oh and like sorry for for reference this butcher is the butcher from butcher the baker the candlestick maker correct i believe so okay sorry i'm just trying to connect who these characters are to their oh, like I appreciate fairy that. tale. Equivalent. I don't know what the fairy tale of those three men are. Yeah, it's about as much as I can remember. <laughs> it's just that they have titles. Yeah. Good for them. 
So you go through this endless void of meat, and Johan reveals that Bloody Mary has been using the butcher shop as a business port for illegal potions. Oh. And there's also clearly been some torture happening, because when you find a back room of the butcher shop, there are shackles and blood on the floor. Oh, goodness. Oh, it's fucking dark as shit. And Johan's basically like, they rolled in, they told me they needed the space, I didn't want to be rude, and now they just set up shop. Am I correct in remembering, though, that if you go there first, you can see who they were torturing? If you go there first, you can see a list of names on a chalkboard. Okay. You can't see who they're torturing. Okay. So either way, you see both places, and no matter what you choose first, the second place you look, you find the missing mirror shard for the magic mirror. Okay. So (laughs) it is what it is. And again, there are slight differences but you basically get the same outline. I mean, we've seen AAA titles do the same mechanics, so it's fine. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Not inventing the wheel here. No. Back at Fables HQ, the office. <laughs> I got a little weird writing in my notes, guys. Sorry. Bitch-ass Bluebeard is whining about giving Snow shit while she argues with Toad about glamour. Bluebeard is like, there's no fucking leadership. We aren't getting anywhere. I'm not helping. <laughs> Snow's like, I know. I'm working on it. And Toad's going, oi, I can't afford glamour. I'm a frog. And Snow goes, you have to get deported. (laughs) So it's like a mom with two whiny kids on either arm. Right. She kind of puts it on Bigby if Toad has to get deported or not. She goes, fucking ask the sheriff. Ask your dad. (laughs) Which is, she needs to stop putting things on Bigby. Like. I mean, to be fair, it's that's part of delegation. I you guess. know, when you're in a leadership position, you do need to decide: is this something I need to handle, or is this something that somebody I trust can handle? And she trusts Big B to handle most of her shit. <laughs> I guess he's the officer of deportation now. Yeah, Whatever. he's so, ice. He's ice now. Oh no! So he goes, "Hey, I found the rest of the mirror," and they go, "Oh fuck yeah!" Bluffkin comes in and he's like, "I got you guys. It's good. It's, I got the wine." We're going to make the mirror. I'm drunk. <laughs> Do you like my no, drunk That was good. Hockey? That was good buffing. <laughs> it was okay. Snow, once the mirror is together, asks to see Crane, Avi. Yeah, she's, immediately. She sees that Crane is with Bloody Mary. Oops. Bloody Mary tells Crane to go to Paris and escape and lay low. You can't just run off to Paris and what is this Emily in Paris I fucking know. last season of Sex in the City bullshit? You can't just run to Paris to escape things. <laughs> like leave it up to a fable to come up with some like stupid like novel idea. Yeah. <laughs> to run away, to flee to Paris. Yeah. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me. Bigby asks the mirror to show him the crooked man, and the mirror shows a door. And then this door disappears and moves to a new location. Oh. Since the door can kind of magically relocate, seemingly it will, Bigby's like, okay, I see the door. I know where it is. I have to go. I'm going to go catch the door before it leaves again, and we can't figure out where he is. Okay. And while he's running, Snow is like, hey, please don't murder anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Don't add to my fucking paperwork. Yeah, gives one, yeah, paperwork. And two, (laughs) Snow, again, very by the book, wants there to be a trial. Right. She thinks it's... The most fair to put him on trial in front of the rest of the town, figure out what to do with this man who has caused death in the community. Right. Very fair. And like the first deaths in a very long time in the community. 
Despite Bigby kind of killing a couple people. Here I there. mean, yeah, but it's all in the... If, you know, the initial death hadn't happened, it wouldn't have uh, kicked off all these others. True, true, true. Bigby finds the door alone in Central Park under a bridge and enters the crooked hideaway Ooh. and sees all the crooked gang. The Tweedle and... Or Tweedles, if you didn't kill them both, but let's be real, you <laughs> killed them. The Jersey Devil. Ooh. In human form. Georgie Porgy. Puddin' Pie. The hostess at the Pudding and Pie who's there with Georgie. And the Crooked Man. Okay. They're all immediately pissed, except for the Crooked Man, and kind of step up to fight you. Like, they start flexing, puffing their chests out, and are like, this motherfucker. Well, yeah, you fucked every single one of them up. Absolutely, for very valid reasons. You've absolutely <laughs> swung at everyone involved here. You've impaled one. If you killed one of the Tweedles, you killed one of their brothers. Right. But so now you have to face down the evil League of Evil. Yeah, but the Crooked Man stops them. He says, everyone in town has a role and offers a seat to Bigby and says, they have a lot to discuss. Oh, shit. Ooh, that's the end of chapter four. Oh, and that's the end of chapter four? Yes. Oh, so the final chapter is like the offer. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. All right. Well, let's find out what the crooked man has to offer. Chapter five is called Cry Wolf. Oh, it's so good. Don't you love these? They're, They're so good. Funny. I know. I wish they were a little bit more like Dead Space where they like spelled something out or meant to something <laughs> cool. But I mean, this chapter titles alone are cool. <laughs> they spell out once upon a time. <laughs> Some shit like that. So we pick up moments after chapter four ended. Everyone is super on edge. Jersey Devil straight up pulls a gun. Because <laughs> he's from Jersey. He don't give a fuck. Right. Everything's legal in Jersey. But the crooked man makes him stand down. He's like, shut up. <laughs> Crooked Man does say that the murders are over and that the murderer was in his own crew. He says, it was Georgie. Oh. <laughs> Straight up. Just rats out Georgie. And he says, he'll handle it. So this is like a lot <laughs> for the opening of the chapter. So this guy's trying to just establish right away that he has his own community within Fable Town and that he's in control of it. This is some mob shit. Yeah. Yeah. The crooked man says Georgie misinterpreted one of his instructions and that Bigby can take Georgie in if, you know, Bigby doesn't like trip on the other crimes being committed. Right. So he's like, I'll give you Georgie if you overlook the other shit. And Georgie's in the room. So he's super fucking mad. Well, yeah, because I mean, in all likelihood, Georgie is probably just a patsy. Totally. He's a pimp. He's like, he's trying to be hard, but he still is like an underling. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the fall Porgy. guy. Yeah. So Georgie's like, you're all going down with me if I'm going down, which Hell is yeah. very, you'll never take me alive. <laughs> and then while this is happening, Georgie's getting all hyped up out of a mirror steps bloody fucking Mary. She comes out of the mirror. It's so That's cool. so good. And she walks in the room and just punches Bigby. Fuck yeah, she does. <laughs> like, that's how she enters our room? Are you kidding me? This is a perfect fucking villain. And she makes him start to wolf out. And the Tweedles, or Tweedle, Georgie, and the Jersey Devil start to fight Bigby. Oh, and this one's good. It's so good. They're fighting. There's a whole big scuffle. The Tweedles are kind of tag teaming. Or if it's one Tweedle, he's just like, oh, I got this. Georgie starts to stab Bigby with a knife he brought. Because, of course, he's a knife guy. Right. 
but gets the Tweedle instead. <laughs> so either way, a Tweedle's dead. Right. <laughs> and then Bigby is able to take the knife and turn it on Georgie. So Georgie gets stabbed with his own knife. Oh, that's so... Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. And then Bigby also just knocks out the Jersey Devil just straight up. <laughs> oh, which, like, I love the Jersey Devil design so much. It's so good. During this fight, a huge blue portal opens in the room, and the Crooked Man and Mary escape through it. I mean, now there's portals. Yeah. Bigby is busy beating up the Jersey Devil. The Pudding and Pie hostess kind of picks up Georgie and is like, hey, you're bleeding out. Pulls him through the portal and also is able to take him away to escape. After Bigby knocks out the Jersey Devil, he's able to get out. He gets onto the street through the portal and sees Georgie and the hostess in a car beginning to like escape, get kind of settled. Georgie, again, bleeding out. So he has to kind of get shuffled into the back seat while homegirl gets in the front. And Bigby starts to chase him. And he's doing this half wolf werewolf thing. And he's running across fucking building tops and shit. It's this great car sequence. And you get to the point where you can either follow the car that has Georgie in it. Or you can follow the car that has the crooked man in it. Because you're also able to see like, oh shit, that's the limo the crooked man and Mary are in. Yeah. Either way, it's just different sequences either way, so it's not crazy. They give Bigby a really hard time in the chase, since you're on foot and they're driving. Right. And no matter who you chase, you end up at the pudding and pie. Okay. So I'm going to kind of outline the sequences a little bit more structured, so I'm going to make the decisions here. We're going to decide to chase Georgie first. Okay. We get inside of the pudding and pie. When you get in, you're talking to Georgie, who says that the crooked man told him to kill Faith and to kill Lily. He says that the hostess, Vivian, who's been hustling him around this whole time, is the original girl with the ribbon, a curse to keep her from talking about the work that they do. Vivian also has a ribbon around her neck. Mm. They were able to apply her curse to the other girls at the club. Apparently, Faith and Lily were trying to escape, which is what Holly mentioned. She said her sister didn't want to be in the lifestyle. Right. So the crooked man told Georgie to deal with it. So he killed two women. Dear God, that's not how you deal with it. No. He also explains that the only way to free the other sex workers from the ribbon curse is for Vivian to die and take the curse down with her. So she has to, oh, it's one of those like <laughs> the mothership curse. Entirely. <laughs> you guys have seen it. Yeah. Kill the hub, they all die. Right. And Avengers, you know, the aliens just fall out of the sky. <laughs> They explained that the ribbon started as insurance for discretion. Hmm. So it was just a way of protecting their clientele to keep clientele coming in. And, you know, again, small community, word gets around. These lips are sealed. That's These lips important. are sealed. Yeah, so that's also why Nerissa couldn't talk to Bigby. She was like, fuck, I really want to tell you what Crane and Georgie and everyone are up to, but this ribbon won't fucking let me say anything. Right. So the crooked man came in after they had started these ribbons and really just fucked everything up out of control. He really exploited the ribbons, was able to get them into really dirty shit and get them into situations they're not comfortable with. All this crazy stuff. Because they can't talk about it. So like, yeah. Yeah. Vivian, the original ribbon girl, has a meltdown out of just grief and guilt of this was my curse and now it was put on other people's lives and now two of those lives are gone and this feels like my fault. Right. And out of grief and out of guilt, she unwraps her ribbon and her head slides off. 
Ugh, so it was holding it on the whole time, too. Yeah, which is also why both of the bodies were decapitated. Right. Ugh. Georgie loses his shit and crawls over to her, heartbroken and distraught. As he lays bleeding out, his guts are literally sticking out of his shirt. This game is fucking... It goes there. Yeah. No, it's brutal. (laughs) Georgie asks that Bigby really fuck up the crooked man. Just fuck him up for me, Bigby. Yeah. He tells him to go to Shepherd Metalworks. That's where the crooked man's hiding out. Okay. And he asks if he'll leave him to die or kill him quickly. Dear Lord. So if you chase the crooked man during the car sequence... When Bigby gets to the pudding and pie, Vivian already has pulled her ribbon off and Georgie is laying by her dead body. Oh, okay. And then Georgie catches Bigby up on who she is and that she felt guilty and the ribbon curse trapping the girls and she felt responsible for their deaths. So he gives you a weird truncated version of this, but I, I wanted to give you the full sequence with her telling her story. I thought that was more dynamic, to be real. I mean, it is to see her pull the ribbon off and her head fall off. It's a bit more dynamic than just finding her decapitated. Yeah, <laughs> it's way more dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> he still tells you where to find the crooked man and asks you to put him out of his misery. Mm. So you can truly let him bleed out and die, or you can kind of rip his guts out and kill him. I mean, he's there with his bottom bitch, just kind of like Ugh. end of an era. This is me now. Right. So Bigby goes to Shepherd Metalworks and he sees a ton of pictures on a wall of these sex workers and of snow and just kind of this creepy shit. And Bloody Mary's voice is taunting him from somewhere. As he's walking through, he finds molds and materials for making silver bullets. <laughs> God damn. So they all knew this shit was coming. We are, this is the end game now. They are ready for him. And she's teasing him about being the big bad wolf. <laughs> and he's like what the fuck where is she and then she appears out of nowhere and punches him in the mouth she just likes punching him because that's just how she greets people right (laughs) mary's fucking great crooked man kind of walks into a room and is like oh cool you're here mary come talk to me when you're done and then he leaves the room which is such a terrifying thing to happen just that confident she's gonna win this yeah and mary's being an asshole they have a huge incredible fight sequence oh yeah where bigby goes from being his man self to increasingly more and more wolf mode yeah all the way up to what i'm gonna call big dog bigby oh i love big dog bigby big dog bigby is a huge black wolf yeah however he's not the only dog in this fight if you know what i mean bloody mary is also a badass demon Mm -hmm. and throughout the fight these shards of glass come out of her face and it's fucking sick right and because mary is a mirror demon Uh she's able to replicate herself over and over and over again so it's one big bad wolf bigby fighting a bunch of glass-ridden Bloody Marys. Yeah. Oh, it's so fucking sick. Oh, they're so great. Big Bad Wolf is able to throw or smash Marys where she shatters like glass. So it's fucking great. A lot of the sequences, he'll pick her up in his mouth like a dog and chuck her across a room and she'll shatter into a million pieces. Oh, that's so cool. As more come out, the Big Bad Wolf uses what basically is his ult, (laughs) and this is so good because it's kind of been alluded to and lovingly hinted at but you kind of still don't expect it yeah he huffs and he puffs 
and he blows all the copies of Bloody Mary away where they smash into the walls of the factory. I mean, he got the mighty lungs. I know. (laughs) And as the last Mary comes up and tries to stab him, he picks her up in his teeth and shatters her. Bites down. Oh, so good. It's so satisfying because this bitch has tried to kill you so many times. I love Big Bad Wolf, Bigby. It's just, oh, it's a satisfying scene. Yeah. And this is the end of Bloody Mary. He looks up and he sees the crooked man has been watching this entire fight and he heads towards him. The crooked man says he looks tired, which is the rudest fucking thing to say. It's just. (laughs) Can you imagine? You could not say a meaner thing to a person (laughs) when you first see them, especially is you look tired. (laughs) I mean, yeah, there's really meaner things you could say, but like. That's pretty rude. It's a it's one of the rudest things. Yeah, it's one of the rudest things you can absolutely say to somebody. (laughs) He's such a dick. And so, yeah, he's like, you look tired. And then he pulls a gun on him and he says the gun has a full round of silver bullets. I was like, what's a gun? Oh, right. Silver bullets. Okay. And, you know, they're eight feet away from each other. And he kind of says, I'm not a great shot, but I can definitely get you from here. (laughs) Also, you're the size of a fucking house right now. Oh, he shrunk back down to his human form so he could talk. He can't really talk when he's a wolf. That's fair. It's like a a pre-Infinity War Hulk situation. Pre-Ragnarok Hulk situation where when he okay. turns, he's kind of just roaring. Feral. Yeah. <laughs> he's a little more feral. That's a very good way of putting it. So he's he's just dude Big B now. The crooked man asks that all he wants is to come back alive and get a fair trial and don't kill me immediately. Okay. Which is also what Snow specifically asked you to do. <laughs> I mean, you did murder Bloody Mary, but I don't think she's going to trip on that. Just some light murder. Right. So you have a choice to either kill him there or take him in alive. So because, again, of the structure, I want to talk about taking him in alive first. Okay. It's what Snow would have wanted. Mm. <laughs> if you choose to take him in alive, you roll up to the witching well. Yes. Where just about everyone left alive, essentially, in Fabletown <laughs> is there waiting. Uh-huh. And, you know, we're going to kind of assume all the bad guys in the Crooked Gang are gone now. You know, the Tweedle got pretty fucked up. The Jersey Devil's knocked out in some mythical office that keeps moving places. Uh, right. <laughs> Georgie's definitely dead. Vivian's definitely dead. <laughs> Everyone's dead. We're going to have a, a jury of his peers. Yeah. So it's everyone else in Fable Town. Like Beauty and Beast are there. Holly and Gren are there. Fucking Bluebeard's ass is there. Bluffkin isn't there, but, you hmm. know. That just means the bar's unattended, so <laughs> he's got places to be. So you walk in with fucking homeboy, and Snow's like, oh shit, you're alive. <laughs> the crowd's like, hey, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and Snow goes, okay, everyone calm down. We're all really upset. It's the middle of the night, but we need to give the crooked man a fair trial. The crooked man explains, Georgie killed the women, and Bigby says, Georgie is dead now. What's your fucking game plan? Right. The crooked man reasons that the culprit's been punished, so let me go? Yeah, no, not gonna happen. That's not really how that works. No. Snow reads out a laundry list of charges to him. Good. And he lies, saying Georgie killed them on his own accord. Nothing to do with it. He tries to sway the crowd, saying, I was there for you in your time of need, and tries to get them mad at Snow and Bigby because of the disparity of the town. 
and Bigby fighting, intimidating, and even killing some citizens like Tweedle. So he's like trying to, he's making some like valid points, but the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, hey, you know how you guys are poor? And they're like, yeah, but you're the one that kind of keep us in poverty by being a loan shark and yeah. doing all this shit. I, it kind of reminds me of like, Micah being an asshole to Arthur and being like, look, whenever one of us fucks up, like, it's the worst thing ever. But if you fuck up, it's kind of like, ah, whatever. (laughs) Kind of. But more murders. But yeah. Same murders. Yeah. (laughs) Reasonable murders. So Snow's like, okay, I admit we're not perfect and I'm sorry, but I'm trying to make this work. I got promoted two days ago. Right. <laughs> I, I investigated my own death. <laughs> I helped out a friend's funeral. You guys have to give me at least a week on the job. It's been a, it's been a hard first week. Yeah. Was it uh, probation's usually 90 days at a new job? <laughs> you guys, it's been three. Snow and Bigby also point out how the crooked man's just been exploiting everyone who needed help. So they're like, he's not that great. What the fuck? Right. You know, he's he's lending you money, but then he's making you work these crazy jobs, getting you more involved, keeping you down, fucking keeping you in the loop. This is this is still bad. Yeah, this is just textbook mafia shit. Yeah. So the crowd's kind of going back and forth. And then Narissa, the sex worker who tried to help Bigby, shows up and is like, I have something to say. Oh. And we're like, hell yes, bitch. And she straight up testifies that the crooked man was enslaving women using these ribbons to keep them quiet. Oh, so she can talk now. Hell yeah. Oh, good. Now that Vivian is dead, the ribbon curse is over, and she can speak freely, and she testifies she was in the fucking room when the crooked man ordered Faith and Lily dead. Oh, shit. First hand. Okay, then. And that really sways the town. Yeah. And they're happy, and they're like, he is undeniably guilty (laughs) and they start screaming to throw him down the witching well yeah toss his ass in and the witching well is a mythical structure it looks like you're in a basement and it seems like a bottomless pit right it seems to be where they throw people that they don't like and get rid of corpses and shit there yeah i feel like it's like the dip from who framed roger rabbit (laughs) deletes a fable yeah (laughs) so it's basically still just the dip yeah auntie greenleaf is there and she's like I don't think we should kill him because she's a hippie. Right. She's like, I think we should imprison him. But the rest of the entire town has a full bloodlust problem. (laughs) The crowd tells Bigby to decide because, you know, he's the sheriff. It's ultimately your decision. Yeah. While this is happening, the crooked man is in handcuffs and he puts his handcuffs over Bigby's head, choking him. Eh, This is going to make this decision a lot easier. Yeah. And he starts walking backwards towards the well. Again. The crooked man's like a thousand years old. Right. Bigby is a wolf. So he very easily breaks free. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have the choice to either throw him down the well, imprison him with Auntie Greenleaf, or rip his head off. Uh, Can you do A and C? (laughs) We're going to pause really quick. If you've already killed the crooked man, you show up to the witching well carrying his corpse in. And Snow's mad because she's like, I specifically asked you not to murder anyone. I had one request. What the fuck? Yeah, she does not like that decision at all. Yeah, but after we all explain what happens, the town's kind of chill with it. Right. They're like, yeah, that's fucking sick. Sounds like you did the right thing, Bigby. Thank you. 
Yeah. And Snow is like, okay, my guy, as your boss, I'm going to have to ask you to stop murdering people. I'm going to write you up. Yeah, this is so going in your file. Keeps murdering. <laughs> Sad face. You do not get a star for the day. <laughs> and the crowd gets annoyed and is like, you both are messy as fuck. <laughs> if Bigby is over it, he just throws the corpse down the well and leaves and is like, you guys go figure your shit out. I do not care. Right. Or he can stay and talk to the crowd and be like, you guys, like, people are dead. And if he stays around instead of dipping, Nerissa still arrives, clears everything up, talks about how Georgie did it under uh, the crooked man's word and really clears it and everyone's really comfortable with the crooked man being dead. Okay, so it sounds like crooked man dying is the right way to go about things. Everyone in the town is pretty happy with that. Yeah. And Bigby and Snow win the crowd over, the corpse is thrown down the witching well, all good, regardless. Yeah. The next day, Bigby gets to work in the office. If you decide to imprison the crooked man, the next day in front of your office, Auntie Greenleaf shows up, and she is this big black crow in a birdcage. And she's like, he had such a sharp tongue, I figured I'd just... Take it away from him. Oh. So she turns him into a fucking bird. Holy shit. Okay, so that was supposed to be him. Yes. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so she's like, here he is. I guess let's send him to the farm. He's a bird. Like, he's a crooked bird. He's a crooked bird. So you get to work and the office and there's a long line of fables waiting to be seen by Snow, who's now the head of Fable Town. And oh. <laughs> that piece of shit Bluebeard just cuts the line and is like, Snow, I need to talk to you. Yeah, it sounds like Bluebeard. Because he's a dick. She also is like, oh, shit, Flycatcher is driving people to the farm today. He left his keys. Can you run them down to him? You grab his keys. You're like, all right, I guess I'm going to do your errands now. Right. Cool. Are we cool? And she's like, yeah, but I'm busy. So we're stay like, with it later. We're like, fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I specifically ask you to stop murdering people and you keep murdering. But yeah. other than that, we're cool. Let's share a salad <laughs> at lunch. Here's where things can get a little sad. So if Colin is not sent to the farm... He gets run into in the hallways with Bigby, and he just has a six-pack of beer. <laughs> and Bigby's like, man, people are going to see you. And he's like, whatever. <laughs> he's like, at least pretend. Yeah. He's like, you're not even fucking trying. Downstairs, Flycatcher is loading the truck to take Fables to the farm. Bigby gives him the keys, and honest, truly, no matter what you do, Toad and his son are being taken to the farm. Oh. If you did decide to send Colin to the farm, he can ask you for a cigarette and you can either give him one, say no, or give him a pack to be like, go yeah, God. If you're sending him to the farm, you better give him a pack at least. Yeah, you know, like let him bum one. Come on. After the truck peels away, Nerissa shows up with a bag in her hand and she still has her ribbon on her neck. She's seemingly ready to leave town. Like, thank God. It's been a terrible week. Mm-hmm. She says she needs to tell Bigby something about Faith and Lily. <sighs> Nerissa. She says the three of them had dreams of getting away from the crooked man and Georgie and the pudding and pie. So Faith stole a picture of Crane and Lily, who was glamoured as snow, together. And that picture put them in danger. Someone with evidence like that is dangerous and it scared Nerissa. And she says she freaked out. And she told Georgie about the picture and asked Georgie for mercy. She says Georgie promised it would all be okay with the crooked man. He'd smooth it out. But then the crooked man told Georgie to make an example of them. And when Faith walked in, that room 
that day, Georgie killed her. Ugh. Bigby calls her out for lying and saying she heard the crooked man pull out the order. And she says, he's still the worst. Like, even if I embellish that part, he still put that hit out and he needs to be brought down. Right. Then she says she's the only one. Then she says she's the one who left Lily's head on Bigby's doorstep. Oh, shit. It all just got really out of hand, but... She was hoping she could at least get justice on the crooked man and that Bigby was the only person she trusted to take down the Empire. And she just didn't want anyone to die. She just wanted justice and she wanted to be free. That's fair. Nerissa says the town needs Snow and Bigby and basically to stay strong for the community. And she gasses him up for taking on the crooked man and she tells him the town wouldn't be the same without you. She starts to walk away. She pauses and turns. You're not as bad as everyone says you are. You can go after her or you can let her go. The end. The fucking end. And that is the last words that Faith said to Bigby before she died. And Bigby has a moment of, what the fuck? What just happened? (laughs) So you're left wondering, like, is that... Maybe is it Faith that was glamored? What yeah. Were they glamoring as each other? Are the ribbons still in effect? What the fuck is happening? I mean, we're at least going to get a sequel to find out something. I know! Or they're going to abandon this story entirely and we will not get any answers. Ah! The sequel is supposed to take place like six months after the original game, so... Not eight years later. Yeah, so like, <laughs> like it happens in real life, so here's yeah. hoping, but oh, I love this game i think it's so much fun and frankly even if you've heard it with me for the first time when you experience it you will pick up on different things your story may not look like mine your favorites may not look like mine but i guarantee you will love to hate the jersey devil and bloody mary because they are such good characters oh yeah and bigby's a fantastic character too Oh, he's so good. Even if you play him as the biggest piece of shit, he's still so much fun to play. Yeah. I mean. Bigby is so fucking good. Yeah. Oh, Snow's great. Just all killer, no fucking filler in this game. It's so, so wonderful. Truly, truly. And like, like I said, playing it on a tablet was such a really new experience for me. Yeah. And I've played it also on console. I've played it on PC. I've played it on a bunch of different, like, peripher- peripherals. Is that the right word for that? Consoles? Platforms? Platforms. I've played it on all sorts of different platforms. And honestly, give the one, if you have a tablet, a chance. Because that one is just such a really cool way of utilizing a tablet to play a video game. I was, I was very very pleased and surprised by that i agree and you know like obviously that's how i played it i wasn't comfortable or aware of how to use consoles it was very intimidating so as someone who hadn't picked up a console since the game boy color right this was a great barrier to entry for me to come in it was really great now i also want to call out that this game was nominated for two baftas for story and for performance as adam harrington played bigby wolf who is such a great bigby wolf yeah they did lose to the last of us the left behind dlc but this still feels like the little game that could Ouch, you lost know the dlc though <laughs> i know <laughs> i mean 
mean, it's pretty, but like. I mean, yeah. I mean, this whole game was practically DLC, though. Yeah, <laughs> it was DLC building on DLC, <laughs> but in a really great way. And I just, I really recommend playing this game. It's wonderful. You can get it on your fucking phone. There is nothing holding you back. That's right. I actually remember it was only DLC for a long time. I remember when it came out physically on PlayStation was like four years after the game actually came out. There was like <laughs> actual physical discs finally got made for that game. That's right. Well, they had to wait for the whole thing. <laughs> there was a lot they needed to put together. And again, totally true. Totally came out piece by piece. But yeah, we are beyond excited for Wolf Among Us 2 to come out. again. If you haven't seen the trailer, it came out February 22. It's so fun the music is beautiful yeah the trailer for the first game doesn't do it justice we recently rewatched trailer for wolf among us one and we were like that doesn't give me the same energy but the trailer for wolf among us two is so exciting fully chill inducing i'm beyond stoked for it and i will find the pictures of tom and i dress up as snow and bigby and put them up on our instagram so you can relish in the cosplay excitement with us because Oh, it's such a good time, and it's it's a good cosplay, you guys. <laughs> like, not to toot toot, but, like, honk, fucking honk. This shit is good. Good enough to end up on the deck. <laughs> I can't believe we did that, too. And for them to tell me, I was like, okay. <laughs> this is weird. Uh, do you guys want to talk licensing agreements now? <laughs> like, imagine trying to broker social media shit while they're like, we've seen your cosplay. <laughs> Which, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, is not the only time that's happened at that job. There's one that was way more embarrassing that I might tell on a future pod. But uh, if you guys want to hear weird stories also, let me know, because I've got insane stories about that time of my life. Oh, yes. Tom can attest it was a truly wonderful and wild time. I had a blast, but... Oh, goodness. <laughs> Got in a little trouble occasionally. Yeah, once in a while. <sighs> Fun trouble. But thank you all so much for sticking with us. I didn't expect this one to be this long, but I had a very good time. Uh, maybe just because each episode of the game is actually quite short, but it's very wall-to-wall story. Very it is cool. meaty as fuck. It that's is meaty. for sure, yeah. So we as would love you to play as Colin. This. As meaty as Colin. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for sticking it out with us you can find us on facebook and instagram we are the other castle our email address is in these show notes it is the other castle podcast at gmail.com we do read all your emails if you have any suggestions if you have any games that you've loved if you have some cosplay you just want to share let's fucking talk i'm, I'm into it i'm working on a cosplay right now that it required some accessories that I'm building, but I'm really hopeful about it. <laughs> if it sucks, I will never bring it up again. But exactly. <laughs> just to put the energy out there, we're big nerds and fans. And <laughs> you know what? Communicate well in your relationships. I think that's the big takeaway from this episode. <laughs> is if you want a partner, you should find someone that you trust and you want to be honest with. Yeah. I think if anything, if you walked away from this podcast having learned something, yeah. About you, about <laughs> video games, about the wolf among us, about the big bad wolf. You know, I think we've done our job. Yeah. All just, right, Goombas. We're just arming you to be on them actually someday, you guys. You're welcome. Tell Trap we say <laughs> hi. I hope you win a trivia contest at least in your own local tavern or wherever. At your local trip trap. Yes, your local trip trap. That's good. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic rest of your day and they lived happily ever after bye